everybody, and welcome back to There Will Be Dungeons, episode 39 of There Will Be Dungeons at therewillbedungeons.com. I'm Scott Johnson with Bo Schwartz, John Jagger, Kyle Ferguson, and Kristen Aston. Ashton. I said Christian Aston. Really, it's Kristen Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> Got those all mixed up. Uh, we were gone last week, and we apologize. We had some ill folks on the team. And uh, we're better now. Everybody's feeling a lot better. John went ahead and got something new, but he's doing okay. He's, he's all right to, to be here. He's got his cool hat on. What else do you need? If you're listening on audio, you're really missing out on John's cool hat. So come be with us live once in a while, you slacker asses. All right, we're going to get right to it. And uh, before we do, we'd like to read a quick email from listeners. Uh, and then we'll get right back into the business at hand. This email came to us uh, via the website over at therewillbedungeons.com. You're encouraged to go do that. The subject line was, this came to me in my head while showering. And the message is, to the tune of Let It Be by the Beatles. Now, I am not able to play that because I'd get in trouble. So I will just read these words and not to the tune because that also gets you in trouble. Apparently, the Beatles uh, and the keepers of their songs are very litigious. So you have to be careful with their music no matter what you're doing. So here you go. Uh, He wrote these lyrics. Okay, I'm going to read them. When I find myself in trouble... I hear Stanley say to me, I've got two words for you, lemon tree. So instead of let it be, it's lemon tree. Then Hope and Nash and Varel go forth, doing damage violently, killing all before them, lemon tree. Lemon tree, lemon tree, lemon tree, lemon tree. Oh my I've got god, two... I want this song so bad. <laughs> no, I'm no kidding. I've got I, two I words. <laughs> We should risk a lawsuit. That's all right. He go, he finishes it with this. I've got two words for you. Lemon tree. Lemon tree. And then he says, more verses may come if this one is sung on the air. Your obedient servant speaks gu, or speaks without breathing is his other name. Well, thank you for that. That's fantastic. Also, that's a weird thing to think about in the shower, but we're not here to judge, and we love you for doing it. And if you want to make a verse two, I'm, I wouldn't turn it down. All right? That's all I'm saying. Uh, we ought to get to it now. Uh, we often have a tradition on the show, which is let uh, Hope, a.k.a. Kristen, read the notes, the meeting, uh, the, the minutes from our last time that we got together and played Dungeons & Dragons. I leave it to you, Kristen. Take it away. All right, last time on There Will Be Dungeons, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Deafened by the din, blinded by the blast, and suddenly suffocating, the group groped along until gaining a gasp of air. Pharrell drew up a defense against a toe-ripper deluge while Stanley honed in to heal Hope before heading home. Listening to his colleagues leave their limited lodgings, the reptile resentfully ran in retreat. He eventually found Bok-Bok, and the two flung themselves at the footing of a flinty feature of the cave. Stanley and Nash soon arrived, carrying Hope, who demanded they finish the fight. Wasting no words, Nash flung his first fireball, maiming the monk and other servant of Blunk Oliver. Stanley took his sword and stabbed the sinking Oliver. As death death met the damned dealer, he was liberated, leaking a little-known secret out about the farms before Varel beheaded him. Voices. Citizens had sought the source of the sudden salvo and were now swarming. Rather than raise wariness, Stanley revealed his oratorical reach and led a captivated crew to Charlemagne's for complimentary cups of ale. Hope coughed out cabbage and two cabbages they cruised. Oliver's head was handed in, and Hope was directed to Dr. Dickel's clinic. After weighing her wounds, it became apparent that Hope would have her arm and leg amputated. Muted with morphine, the team got to work. Morel helped loosen the leg, while Stanley was plucked from his provocative party to purge pieces of shrapnel. 
After an eternity of exhausting effort, Hope had held out and was left alone with Metal Mandy and her robotic toys while Nash, Stanley, and Vorel headed off to blood ball practice. Now rejoin our petered out posse as they try to find that fabled silver lining spoken of so often back in the solar mines. Oh man. Excellent. Great as always, Bo. Take it away, sir. Varel, Stanley, and Nash. You're standing in the streets of Trashburg, having just exited Dr. Dickles' office directly behind you. Correction from last week in terms of the time. I said it was 1 p.m., but the surgery that Stanley had just performed on Hope to remove shrapnel, which was scattered all throughout her neck and chest and leg, took about four hours. So we're roughly a little past three. Okay. Hot sun beats down on you. As you consider, I think all at the same time, that you've now missed blood ball practice for Tuesday. For the most part. There's still time. Maybe. But with the trauma of this morning's events, everyone has paused for a moment to reflect on what they'd like to do. Now, you've just left Hope in Dr. Dickles' office with the doc himself and Metal Mandy. The streets are quiet. There's a menacing silence to them, almost. And as you look left and right, down the sandy streets, pecked with green build, or not green, gray buildings made of large cement brick, all mostly indistinct from one another except for the places where the brick is chipped and cracked. You see a, a figure huddled, wearing all black, moving very slowly, shuffling down the, the road towards you. The person doesn't so much lift their foot as they just drag it a little bit, maybe about one footstep ahead and inches ever so slightly towards you. So you the, say coming toward us or going dress, away from us? Toward us or away from us? Sorry. Walking towards you okay. with a dress and a hood over their head so that you can see nothing but a little wrinkled chin. How tall so, are they? About four feet. It's not very tall. I mean, no offense to anybody who's four, but it's not very tall. Minutes pass, and the figure slowly moves your way as you all stare at it. Uh, can we all see it? Yes. Okay. Stanley, you see this? I see it. I'm just watching what it's doing. What do you it has a humanoid shape, in case... You know, you're saying it as if it isn't another person. Of but it looks like so. It, what we can see of it, it looks like a person. Yeah, yeah. You see a little little chin, little legs moving slightly forward, shuffling. Wait, did you say you can see a little chin? There's a little chin under the oh, black under the hood. hood. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to yell it... out. Can I yell out at it? I want to yell out at it. Yeah. Go for it. Hey, 
Make yourself known. Who are you? The figure stops, and you hear... Eh? As, a hand, as a hand comes up to the side of the hand, eh? and it looks around, looks left, and you see the face of a wizened old woman, eyes squinting, looking around, and then puts her head back down and begins shuffling in your direction again. Varel, what do you make of this? So, traveling old woman, you guys seem fascinated by this. <laughs> it's just kind of creepy, right? Nobody else is around. It's just her coming our There's direction. Definitely something off about this one. I'm gonna start yeah. walking towards her. Okay. They're in the middle of a town. Surely there are elderly. Well, she's not wearing Trashburg clothes. She certainly seems <laughs> out of place. Nash and Stanley, officially the easiest people to DM for. They're just satisfied by everything. <laughs> I, you've set up a nice little NPC here. I'm very curious about her, especially now that I know she's old and wizened. That's made it like a thousand percent more interesting. Okay. So Stanley, you approach the woman. She sort of continues to walk as if not seeing you because her hood is down. Uh, so you have to sort of back up as she walks in your direction, unless you want her to bump into you. Uh... I do want her to bump into me. Okay. I'm going to try and walk past her and do a accidental uh, bump into her and run my hand over where the head would be. See if it hits anything. In the hood or on the outside of the Try hood? to hook the hood. I'm going to try and snag that hood. You're right trying off. to take the hood back off. Yeah. Yes. Without yeah. seeming like you did it? Yeah, just like I bumped into her. Okay. All right, then slide a hand check, please. All right. Nope. That's a one. Okay. So um, you go to intentionally bump into her, and she goes, ah! And then as you do this, you try in a suave motion to just pull the head back as if it was knocked back by the impact. But instead, you grab a clump full of hair, just awkwardly, and pull her head back so you can see the head back. And she goes, ah! As you pull the hair, and you have a screaming woman now in your hand. Great. I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. Ma'am, I apologize. My my mistake. I wasn't paying attention to where okay. I was going. As you say that, an open hand slap uh, just comes and hits your face, and you take one damn... Where, well, can a, can a 20 beat you? Not natural? Or natural? Yeah, that can Or not me. natural. Yeah, yeah okay. No. Take a damage. Take a point of damage. As like a knuckly, pointy old fist just like wraps your face. It's like wrapping your face. Let go of me! Unhand me! Help! Help! All right, I let go. I'm backing away. I'm, I said I apologize. My my mistake. Are you all right, madam? You, you devil! Who are you? Stay away from me! Help! Help! I'm under attack. Quiet. We're, we mean you no harm. Just relax for a second. Where, who are you? Where are you going? And where is everyone else? Squints and looks at you. Uh, um, young man, I am looking for Dr. Dickles' office. Oh, well, you're in the right spot. It's just back no, that no. way. Keep that one away from me. <laughs> Don't talk to me. All right, look, he, he meant you no harm. 
supposedly. Uh, we just came from Doctor Dickel's office, but he's busy. What, what do you need? Of, what do you need of him? I'm his. I'm the. I'm the. The cleric that he sent for. I am here to help him. You know the way. I think I might have gotten turned around. We know the way, but do you have any ID? Huh? <laughs> Never mind. Follow me. Let's go. She's here to help Hope, you guys. Let's go. Let's take her. Wait, and then she sort of reaches her hands out and looks around and looks, as you say, let's go, she walks in the direction other than Dr. Dickles' office as you walk in that direction. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Grandma, come back. Come here. And I'll reach out to just touch the hem of her of her robe and pull her my, my way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Grab the hem of her robe and start pulling her? Yeah, just kind of gently, just like, no, no, no. No, this this way. You, you're, you're, oh, you're, oh she pushes her robe down. She's like, no, no, you can't. Stay back. And you, you feel swinging. We're really good with people. Yeah, apparently. No touch, no no foul, I guess, in this town. Pharrell, explain to her what I'm trying to do. She's going the wrong way. She was going the right way before we interfered. That's a good point. Madam, I am outside the establishment. Head towards my voice. I will hold open the door. Okay, let's make a um, hmm, a survival check. <laughs> Am I skinning her? <laughs> no, you're, you're trying to direct her with your voice, so you know. Nine. Okay, and she will first make one. Okay, so you begin to. What are you saying to her? You have to continue speaking in order for your voice to be there. Is there any? What are the content of your words like? Right this way. Yes, that's it. This way. Well done. Ignore the buffoons. Hey. <laughs> okay. After after about five or ten minutes, she slowly shuffles her way towards your voice to the in, uh, to the door where you are, and you you sort of put your hand on her back and gently guide her in. And then she looks at you and she says, "May Jesus Chrome bless your soul, young man." She pats your chest and goes. She goes. Ooh. She sort of feels it a little bit. That's very solid. And then she quietly makes her, her way in. I see how it is. I can't grab the hem of her robe, but she can molest his blizzard chest. No problem. Well, like, you're lifting up her dress. You're like, hey, come to this <laughs> <laughs> She's got a thing for Varel. You know, the way you guide people. You grab them by the hem of the robe. When I'm at the office and I need to show Janice what it is she's done wrong, I grab her by the hem of her robe. No, but you can just lightly, like, you know... Your hand on their elbow and go. Oh no, it's over here. I'm not, I don't mean go and grab them. I just mean you know, just like a nice little guiding hand. Okay, okay. Well, maybe I we had a little dissonance with where hand on the robe. What that implies? <laughs> you thought it was elbow. I thought it was like the base of the robe. That's fine. It's fine. We got her there. That's okay. the important thing. Yeah. All right. She enters Doctor Dickles. You close the door behind her. The street again is silent. Well, that went exceptionally well. Do we need to go in and make sure everything's on the up? I am concerned that she will have more visitors throughout the night and that we should at least leave a guard. I will volunteer since we seem to have missed the Blood Bowl ball practice. 
Well, I have to admit, I'm not exactly in the mood to go play a game or anything like that. I, I agree. So, Varel, you stay posted here, and we'll... Stanley and I will... Where are we going, Stanley? I don't know. I've got nowhere exactly to be at the moment. Hope said she... Or we felt Hope should be there when we meet with Monsoon again, so we're kind of waiting on her. I wouldn't what? mind hanging out around here. What day of the week is it? Tuesday. Tuesday. Hmm. Tuesday, 3.30 in the afternoon. Hot and sweaty. Sun is blaring down upon you. I mean, there's no reason why we can't all just wait here in case of any trouble. I don't imagine that there's going to be any issues with the, uh, rival gang, but it doesn't hurt to have people in the area. I fear if you two were to stay in this establishment any longer, your rage against medical practices may become so much you might attack somebody. Mm. <laughs> well, what if we found, like, a chair or a bench across the way and just sort of hung out nonchalant-like, maybe didn't look like we were all together? I like that idea. The mechanic didn't much enjoy our company. And with a cleric in the same room as well, it may be too busy with dickles running around. Let us set up camp then. Stake out the area. Fair enough. We'll uh, go see if we can find an area to just kind of keep an eye on things and hang out for a bit. Yeah. You mean out, out in the, the street? In yeah. Front of some, somewhere in the range of, like, in, within a block of this, of where we can see Varel. Kind of like to be able to still see him, but not be not have it look like we're with him. Well, I mean, so these the Trashburg uh, streets are comprised of fifteen feet foot sort of alleys, passages, roadways. Generally speaking, there tends to be a little ravine of shit and piss where that gets dumped off from houses uh, into sewers. Um, there isn't really any open locations. Uh, without entering it into someone's house and occupying their home in terms of setting up a base. Are there any structures we could get on top of um, and see it from the, uh, more of a bird's eye perspective? Uh, I mean, you could enter into a lot of the buildings. They usually have stairs that lead up. Possibly they can lead to the roof. Hmm. But you haven't really... I just don't want him to be out of our sight, that's all, because there's no other point. If we're going to hang around, we need to be there if something goes down. And I like the idea of being in a a place where we can see them, but they can't necessarily, they wouldn't notice us. Can you tell me? When we were uh, in the red in the waiting room at uh, Dr. Dickel's, the people there, did it seem like most of them were there for illness, or were there people there for physical injury as well? That's a little bit of both. You remember there was a guy with chills who was sort of sh uh, shaking, and, and there was um, a guy who sneezed on Nash. And um, there was also, you know, a few... I mean, nothing obvious except for the guy with the butt cysts that Dr. Dickles never finished operating on. But you'd have to go in and probably inquire and find out what everyone's ailment was. Well, you all can wait out here and keep an eye on things. I would rather their attention in there be focused on hope. I might go in and see if I can lend a hand with some of the patients. 
maybe Varel could stay on this side of the door and I'll stay on this side of the door where my good eye is and we'll keep watch of things and Stanley can do like he says and make sure that everyone's on task in there. Varel, what do you think? Okay. Would you be on the inside, Nash? Um, Which way are we facing? So we're facing out. I would be on the... How's the door situated? Is it like door and then is there room on each side to sort of just stand there? Yeah, I mean, there's a door in the uh, the gray-facing uh, cement wall, so you can stand on either side of it. It's a nondescript. It isn't like a storefront with windows or anything like it. It's just a big gray wall. Right. It has a couple of, like, windows, but not, like, storefront-style windows. Just like It's like a house repurposed with a business on the main floor. Okay, that's kind of what I pictured, so... It's not wise for you to re-enter Nash with your condition. Burden may interrupt the process in there. Let us wait outside, and I will take the sword off my shoulder, put it in front of me, squat down back against the wall, and just kind of, you know, lean my head on the hilt and kind of camp out. I like it. I'll do the same. I'm just going to lean my back, cross my legs, and roll my ball around in my hand, my magic ball. Okay. I'm going to go in and see if I can lend a hand with the patients. Okay. You enter in and you see uh, oh, there's a there's a the waiting room on either side of the door on the inside. There are chairs lined up against the wall with citizens of Trashburg of various conditions sort of huddled over in chairs. Yeah. <coughs> Edith, uh, the human receptionist, excuse me, appears to be sitting at the desk, doesn't look up to pay any attention to you. The door to Hope's, uh, the room that Hope was in, is closed. No sign of Dr. Dickles or the cleric that had walked past. Uh, I'll go up to the front desk uh, and talk to the the woman there. Excuse me, madam. Yes? Uh, My name is... You'll have to take a seat. No, I'm not here for We're very busy today. Ma'am, I'm not here for treatment. I'm a healer, and I thought I might help, seeing as the doctor is preoccupied and you have a waiting room full of individuals in need of care. Well, you were the one they sent for to help with uh, the surgery. Uh, no, that... Well, yes, for the uh, removing of the shrapnel, that's right. And you know we're not going to be able to pay you. That's not a problem. They're... My friend is in there receiving care, and I want to make sure that she continues to be attended to. I figured I could lend a little support to ensure that remains to be the case. Okay, and, um, you know, we have a... How are you with removing cysts? I mean, all of my healing and ability comes from uh, the arcane nature. Uh, As far as medical knowledge, we'll say limited. So when you came in, there was Joe who needed the, some of his cysts removed from his butt. Um, he's in the other waiting room right now. Uh, hey, f- feel free to go help him. <laughs> you should totally. Thank you. you should go, dude. You should go. I'll go do, do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. And she's like, if you need a, a doctor's jacket, uh, there's one sort of in the back in the closet. Help yourself. Well, yeah gonna do that 
while I'm here. Okay. So you sort of enter towards the back area, and there's this closet, and you open it up, and you see these rather dirty white lab coats. They right. have like stain, like little brown blood stains on them. They're dried. I'm gonna take it, press the digitate it, throw it on. Okay. All right. And now uh, the door she was pointing to was on the opposite end of the room where Hope was, where there was probably another, you know, this place previously would have been apartments, but it's been regutted and purposed for more of a doctor's office style deal. The door leading to the room Joe's in uh, awaits you. Okay, I'm going to go in. Okay, you open it up and uh, you see Joe there and he's sitting, but he's got kind of his hand under his butt and he's kind of, looks like he's scratching. He's like, who are you? Uh, my name is Stanley Billings, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a healer. I'm going to see if I can help you with your uh, issue. You're, you're, you're a butt surgeon? I'm a healer. Okay, tell me what you want me to do. I really need to... They hurt. It hurts. Uh, well, I need you to just sit there, hold still... I'm gonna come over there, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to attempt to heal you. We'll see if this works. <laughs> so I just sit here on my butt. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go over. I'm going to put my hands on him and cast cure wounds. Okay. Uh, do I have? Is there any rolls? What's the? I mean, I guess I could. <laughs> I don't. We can find out. What, what, do, we, what do we do? Joe's just kind of sitting there like. Uh, he got back 11 hit points. <laughs> so he sort of blinks and he's like, I feel much better. <laughs> I feel calm. But, but my butt is still itchy. He's like, can you check to see if they're gone? He gets up and he lifts up his shirt and he shows you his butt and takes his hands and he spreads the cheeks and kind of bends over a bit. Yeah. It's right. very... Because it, it was already being worked on earlier today, it's very bloody. And it's a little poopy. Well, you, have already, you don't know what you're looking at. Medicine check, please. That's what <laughs> press the digitation is for. So before I even examine it, we're going we're gonna to clean him up. Okay. So you press the digitate his ass crack. <laughs> this is a sterile environment. And you see nothing but butt hair and pink butt, and it's kind of discolored as you get closer to the bunghole. And um, you're still not sure what you're looking at, so let's make a medicine check as you examine. He has to know it's a bunghole. Right? No, but in terms of, there are little warts and bumps. And, oh, uh, oh, 21 total. Okay, so you see that like a lot of the bleeding and, and whatever open sores on there have probably been healed up and closed up. But uh, there are still several gross-looking wart-like bumps that probably shouldn't be there. They're sort of red, and they look angry, and they're angry-looking bumps <laughs> that are that are there. It's like, are they gone? Uh, no. I've removed a good deal of the irritation, it seems, but you will need to wait for the proper doctor to take a look at actually removing the cyst themselves. Uh, you're not the you're not the proper doctor. I need help now. I've Dr. Tickle said it'd be done today. Well he's currently preoccupied. This is a temporary solution to get you by. 
Oh. It just sort of stands there silently looking at you. Come back tomorrow. He puts his shirt down. He's like, okay. Looks all dejected. And he walks out of the office and closes the door behind you. Oh, I'm good at this, too. <laughs> this is great. I'm good at everything I do today. <laughs> all right. So are you planning on putting in a full day of doctor's duties? Sure, at least until anything else happens. All right, so we're not going to role play all eight, eight, you know, however many hours. How many hours are you going to do this for? Till the room's empty? How many patients? What's the? There's about thirty patients out in the waiting room. Oh my gosh, I don't even have that many spell slots. Uh, and I got kind of one thing that I do. I will go out and see if I can evaluate anybody in need of critical care that I think cure wounds would actually help. And I will help them, and then that's it. Okay, go out. Uh, you go back out into the waiting room, and everyone kind of looks up at you, expecting, hoping you'll call their name. Uh, all, all faces. There are sixty eyeballs on you right now. I'm gonna look at the receptionist. Do we have any sort of record as to what these people are actually in here for? It's like, um, no. I, we used to ask, but uh, we don't ask anymore. Just. All right. If somebody uh, looks bad, we'll take whoever looks the worst first, but otherwise. Attention, everyone. Uh, is anybody here because of a injury, a direct injury that needs looking after? Mm, everyone kind of looks around. And then one man gets up and he's like, I, I, I um," And he, he lifts up his arm and his arm looks flat and crushed. And he says, I, I got my... um." My arm stuck in a in a in a pump, and it crushed my arm, and it's not moving now. It looks swollen. It's it's red. Perhaps right. uh, perhaps it needs to be. You can cure, fix the bones in there, or or maybe, I don't know. Does it need to be cut off? Uh, let's take a look at it. You come on back. Okay. <clears throat> All right. The man's sort of holding his arm in front of his hand. Walks into the doctor's office. And then he just sort of stands there waiting for instruction. Uh, he doesn't seem right. to be in a lot of pain. He seems pretty ambivalent to it, but... His bones are clearly crushed, right? Much in the same way hopes were. Like His arm looks like jello. It's completely red and bruised all up and down it. Um, it's flat. Okay. Um, based on what I know, I think the arm's going to have to come off. <laughs> Did you say that to him? Uh, no, I'm thinking out loud right now before I cut off a guy's arm for no reason. Uh, yeah, this is pretty bad. Uh, what exactly did you say happened to it again? Well, um... I was uh, working at the refinery today like normal, and then um, I lost my hat. My hat slid under one of the, you know, the big pistons that goes... <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I've, I've always had good luck about these sort of things. I saw my hat in there, and I went to go grab it uh, real quick, like, uh, and, well, my, I wasn't fast enough. And now my hat's gone. I like that hat. Also, yeah, my, my arm... I, I, 
it's actually a bad situation if I can't earn guzzbolts for my family will starve. Uh, so, so do you have any robot arms for me? Um, well, that's a good question and a fair question. And I'm going to just pop next door real quick and I will be right back. You just wait here. I'm going to go see uh, if I can uh, get Dr. Okay. Nichols. <laughs> get a second right. opinion. You open up the door and uh, you're now back in the main waiting room. 58 eyeballs are now on you, hoping you'll call them. Is it our turn yet? Nope. Still working with somebody else at the moment. All right. Go over to the door, poke my head in, and see if I can get Dr. Dickles. Okay. Uh, you poke your head in, and um, the door won't open. Manang. And you hear a voice inside. Go away. We're busy here. Alright, I think I've gotten in over my head. So, I think it's time to do the responsible thing. Uh, I think I saw this movie, except it was Richard Pryor, and it was like 88 or something. I'm waiting for you to stop, seriously, though. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to leave. I'm just going to walk out. <laughs> Oh, I right, love so you, it. Uh, 58 eyes watch you walk to the front entrance. Are you taking the front entrance? Are you looking yep. for I'm going to get to the door, and uh, because I know eyes are on me and I'm being watched, I am going to make a flourish of removing my uh, doctor coat, throwing it on the floor, and I'm going to leave. Okay. Awesome. So you exit the building. Varel and Nash are still standing outside. You've been gone maybe two minutes. <laughs> 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 Not two minutes, maybe like ten. You've got maybe ten minutes. Uh, Varel and Nash Stanley is now back outside. I am going to be back at the hotel. Uh, have a good evening. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What happened in there? What? what, Nothing. what, what? I'm just gonna go get a drink. Stanley, you, you were away. you were gonna keep an nope. eye. Uh, I'm walking away. What's <laughs> uh, Varel? What? Uh, say something. Do something. Stanley was clearly outside his element. He was perhaps overwhelmed by the needy of this town. And as a clean elf with such uh, well-manicured clothes, the viscous fluids upon his jacket may have disturbed him so that he needed to drink. All right. But so we just... <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a... <laughs> <laughs> that was a fulsome answer. Do we uh, uh, do we just stay? Here? Do you want to stay, or what are we doing? I, this isn't the the plan. Was he would keep an eye on them, and now we're do we go in, or what do you want to do? I believe we should keep an eye. While the engineer does not wish us to be in the same room for perhaps space reasons, this is a dangerous <laughs> time for hope. Uh, all right. Yeah. No, it's a good point, and I I think I agree. We'll, we'll we'll keep watch. I just don't know what's going on with Stanley. Maybe he's not Stanley right now. Maybe he's that other thing. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, no, this is fine. I mean, I don't know how long we're going to be here, but at some point we may have to think about food. I don't mean Nash. to interrupt. Oh, sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. You haven't um, 
waited much before, have you? No, I'm very impatient. It takes time. This is... This sitting. There's a reason to sit. You should sit with me if you wish to stay. Otherwise, I suggest the hotel. I plan to be here without meal for at least 12 hours, if not more. Well, I... I am always trying to face my worst demons, and one of mine is impatience. So, if you think it will benefit me, I trust you, and I'll stay, I'll stay here. Perhaps I can learn something about the way you, you and your people behave when there is time to burn. Because I usually get up and go. So I'll stay here. Very, it's fine. Very well. The, the first tip, if I may... If anyone comes walking this direction, assume it's not for you, that they are walking. <laughs> okay, you mean like the way I did with the lady? Yes. Okay. She would have gone about her business unabated, unchanged, and found the place that she was looking for. It always feels a little like someone's invading my space, but what you're saying is this is not my space to invade. This is someone else's space. We are in enemy territory. This is not your home. Well, that's for Do you state claim over everywhere you go? Uh, n no, but it, it's hard for me. If I'm there, and, and and someone's in my way, I feel like I have to. I have to speak. I have to say something. It, it's hard for me. Otherwise, I don't know. I I can't just let them go. I don't know what they're up to. I don't trust anyone. So that lady seemed. Uh, you know, suspicious to me, so I felt like it was something, something to do. But your instincts set different, and I, I think there's some value in that. I just don't understand it. I would like to know more. Perhaps people walk by, and once they have left our area, you can tell me what you thought of them. Okay. Release the pressure on the situation. Okay. That will also help pass the time. I'm fine with that. And I settle in for another, and we watch Stanley just leave. Okay, so uh, you guys have this conversation as Stanley briskly walks down the alleyway, and uh, you make your way down a few blocks towards Charlemagne's. And um, just before you're about to round the corner to a street that would head, take you down a few buildings to get to Charlemagne's, <clears throat> you hear a few footsteps come from the left side and some hushed voices around the corner. You can't see them. Okay. I've been in this situation before. Uh, I'm going to just keep walking, though. Okay. Um, you approach the corner to turn left to face down the road that's sort of perpendicular to the entrance, or it's parallel to the entrance of Charlemagne's. So about picture this, you you round the corner and you can see down the block a building on the left and right. So one set, two set, three set, and you see Charlemagne's down the road. Outside of Charlemagne's you see about you can't really make a full count, but there's about twenty men in riot gear that you recognize as uh, potentially guards that you've encountered before. Uh, huddled outside of Charlemagne's. As you look up, you see a dude in riot gear hanging out of the window with a gun, sort of looking down on the street below, to your right and to your left. 
you take this in immediately <clears throat> and you're sure you're not spotted but you're sure that's about to change any second okay i'm going to uh kind of try to duck back away from where they would see me if i can duck back behind one of the buildings okay uh, so you quickly sort of do a 180 or do you, do you walk backwards or um just yeah just kind of a as natural as it can look turn okay uh so you turn around and, and naturally sort of walk back around the corner and they they uh they leave your view I am going to try to start looking as casual as can be, making my way back towards Dr. Dickles. Okay, so you're not going to stay and investigate what's going on? Did it look like their attention was on the door, or were they... They were, they were right? huddled around the front door, it, uh, so you sort of close your eyes for a second to sort of think about what you were looking at. And you could see men huddled on either side of the door with their backs to it, as if they were about to breach the door. Um, you also saw a couple of men carrying something heavy together, almost maybe like a coffin or something, but not quite a coffin, sort of rushing towards the door. But that's all you caught in a few seconds glimpse. You get the sense that the men were attempting to breach inside Charlemagne's, which, you, you, as far as you know, you left locked. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and start making my way back. Okay. As you start waking, making your way back, you hear a loud, <laughs> as if somebody's hitting something against wood. After uh, a few hits, you hear, now, do you want to do a performance check for your, your, your performing, like, nothing's going on, please? Yeah, I wanna I wanna walk down the street as if I'm just kind of maybe a drunken vagrant just wandering the streets. Okay, so roll your performance check. Uh, it's gonna be a twenty, not natural. Okay, so you make your way back to Doctor Dickles, walking like a drunken person, and Varel and Nash standing guard in front of the door, sort of spy you out of the corner of your eye. You're kind of like walking all tipsy, like back towards Doctor Dickles. Uh, I'm going to approach Varel, maintaining the like drunken stagger, and then kind of brace myself against the wall, and uh, quietly under my breath to him whisper, there's a large group of people raiding the hotel right now. And then I'm going to turn, rest my back against the wall, and just plop down, and look put my head down in my hands okay. what did he say he informs, you, he informs you of what he saw and I'll telephone it over to Nash that's bad maybe we don't know exactly what they're looking for when you say he told us what happened did he also tell us that he heard giant footsteps or no uh, he heard the loud banging of wood, uh, of something smashing against wood, and then eventually cracking it. Oh, okay. I thought it was footsteps. I didn't see it. No. Okay. Well, there were footsteps around the corner, but he rounded the corner and saw that there were men okay. hurriedly walking around in front of Charlemagne's down the other way before him. Do you think they're there for us? 
Could be. Um, as far as the uh, outfits that I saw, did it look like what I have typically seen? Uh, have I seen any gangs wearing this? Is it? Is uh, it something? You've seen. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure how many of you have encountered uh, people in the riot gear. We could. Uh... He could tell me the description and I could match it to what I saw at Blusher's Haunt the other yeah. night, last yeah. night even. I don't think I've seen them before. So, yeah. yeah, I'll describe it. I don't know if I've seen it. Yeah, so these would be uh, men wearing black fatigues, black shirts with riot gear, so padded armor, helmets where you can't see their faces. They tend to have weapons like holstered guns, maybe a shotgun on the front, bats. They tend to be very well-armed, well-equipped, look like... They don't look like the gangs of Trashburg and that the gangs of Trashburg tend to wear the Trashburg basic, basic gray shirt and just have weapons and raggedy old jewelry and and are very ornate. These look like militant types. Do we know this to be the Teat Guard or the... Um, the What's the other one? The uh, You haven't the encountered gang. the... You haven't encountered the teat guard yet. Varel, while he was drawn, well, allow him to explain it. He may, I think he might be the only one who's seen these these types of folks before. Yeah, I saw them when I went out the other night, last night even. Yeah. Well, safe to bet they are either working for the Guzzle Gang or the teat guard would be my guess. Yes, these were the same individuals that seemed to clean up the business at the party last night I wonder what brings them there unfortunately it could be a lot of things hmm perhaps your gang of revelers did spout some information you shared I was thinking that could be the case they seem to be getting pretty worked up about the way they've been treated around town but then again, it could also be tied to the path of destruction we've been carving a little bit through this town. Mm. And just on cue, um, as if you guys were, you know, as if it was a response to your question, the intercom all throughout the town. Yeah! There's a loud feedback sound breaks on. <clears throat> um, hello, citizens of Trashburg! This is your Chief, Chief Panepoli. There is now a curfew in effect. I repeat, there is now a curfew in effect. All citizens of Trashburg are required to <clears throat> be in their homes immediately. Please do not be out on the street. We have reason to believe that a criminal enterprise has entered Trashburg and intends to do harm including intercede perhaps in the wedding while the while their objective remains obscure this we do know we have allies with the principal city all the wonderful baubles that we obtain from the principal city are there because we have formed an alliance with them but there is one among you who has sought to undermine this relationship and one of the very own mages of a place called the Arcanum Universalis has recently been attacked 
by a member of this criminal organization. And this person is now wanted for attempted murder. This is a man, a handsome man, by the name of Stanley Billings. He may also go by the name of Diane Tallis. Oh, this man is extremely dangerous. <laughs> he can use words to make you do things you would rather not do. Oh, no. And our friend, the mage from the Arcanum Universalis, barely escaped with his life. Now, he has been seen consorting with a large bronze lizard man. Also very dangerous. He's also been seen consorting with... Oh, that person... Excuse me, wait a second. Name, that lizard folk goes by the name of Vorel. His other companion is a man wearing a cloth that smells and has many warts and disfigurations. <laughs> And he is named Nash Maggard of the Solar Mines. <laughs> How'd they get that info? In addition, Stanley has also been seen with a tiefling woman. She is very dangerous and has been known to sport many guns. <laughs> <laughs> According to our sources. If you see these individuals, do not engage them. Report them to the nearest teat guard available. Stanley, if you're listening, we know you're in town, and we know you can hear this message. We have watch outposts, watchtowers, set up all along the perimeter of Trashburg. There is no way to leave. Your friend says that you are very sick, that you are possessed by <laughs> a demon. I told you and guys he was no good. Your only yeah. chance for salvation is to submit yourself to the study of the Arcanum Mages. Please do the right thing and come to the Teat Card offices to give yourself up and your friend and his fellow scholars will do what they can to save your soul. Failure to comply may result in unwanted consequences. And I've also been told to tell you that we have detained your agents inside the keep and that if you wish to see them unharmed, you should surrender yourself immediately. <laughs> I'm speaking of your sweet young man friend. <laughs> and also... And I regret to say this, Angelashi, who will no longer be performing the morning sermons. Let it be known that assisting, aiding, and abetting these wanted fugitives will result in punishment, including the pit of despair. Any information leading to the arrest of these individuals may reward you with five years' worth of Guzbolt's earnings. Please report any information you have immediately to me at the Teat Guard offices or your nearest Teat Guard uh, local neighborhood agent. <laughs> this is why you don't pick up hitchhikers. Yeah. This is, long, this is why. Yeah, this is a long is a, announcement. <laughs> that was pretty. Uh, I look over at Stanley and go, great. 
What do you want to do? I have a safe house. We should go there now. You so, have a safe house? Safe house? Whoa. And I'll start walking and picking up speed, heading north two blocks and over the seven-some blocks to the skull door. Okay. I'll follow. I will, too. I'm flabbergasted by him having a safe house. You guys all leave Dr. Nichols and follow him to Hunter's Blush? Yeah. Uh, I do, but before we get going, I'm going to uh, do a little reverse press the digitate to completely cake my clothes in dirt and filth and grossness, as well as me, so I just look nothing like how I typically would. Oh, you reverse press the digitate? Yep. You now smell like pee and uh, look disgusting. Yep, great. You still stand out quite a bit, given that everyone in the town wears gray and your your clothes are fine. Just no, I got the clothes too. They're all bleh. No, they're dirty, but your yeah. clothes are still of a quality and, and color and sophistication that is not normal for. for well, them. that's true. Average trashberg, so it's not enough to conceal you. I would say. Okay. Yep. All right, so you guys move to Blusher's Hot. Yeah. All right. I'm a little more worried about my description. It's hard for me to hide from it. Stanley can dirty himself up and kind of blend in, but I have to... So you spend the next five or ten minutes hurriedly following Varel into Blusher's Haunt. As you get into Blusher's Haunt, there's more people sort of lying in the streets and in the corners, sleeping, talking amongst themselves. You get kind of weird glances, and you can't tell if it's because someone recognizes you or if someone's just fascinated by your strange outlandish thing but without a doubt the entire city of Trashburg has heard this announcement Pharrell makes his way and shows you to a building with the skull painted on the outside alright and upon arrival I open the door, swing around it, let the two in and close it behind us okay, you're inside the building alright, I start heading up the stairs safe house Pharrell I had a meeting here last night. This is my secret we never discussed, Nash. Oh. Well, I, 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 I'm disappointed you didn't trust me to say anything, but this is this is great. What what a fortuitous uh, uh, thing to have at a time where Stanley's the number one wanted person in all of Trashburg. You should head up the stairs and be ready to escape through the ceiling should they arrive at the front door. This appears to be a route. They're going to burn us out of the town, it seems. However, we do know hope is at least well protected. Well, assuming none of the doctors or anybody decide to give her up. They are under the employ of Monsoon Cabbage, who does not respect the teat. We will have to take comfort in that, that they are better paid, better supplied, than they would be under the teat guard employ. We should consider, however, making some sort of stance, drawing attention away from Hope, making sure they do not track her there while she is incapacitated, Perhaps one of these towers on the edge of town are worth our attention. So you, uh, you want to draw all the attention away from them, cause a little chaos. That would be my ideal. 
And I must say I am quite fired up. We are betrayed by Buttons. He has turned us in. And I never trusted him in the first place. Now this town has declared itself in allegiance with the principal. I believe I watched I wish to see it burn once again. Giant Atlas had some very strong words. I've been thinking hard these past two days, Stanley. Perhaps you know the words. Which words would those be? But humans are weak, and we spend too much time <laughs> defending them. Well, that certainly does sound like him. Alternatively, I could turn myself in. Have you... Do you face the pit of despair? Have you seen it? I don't know what exactly they would have planned for me, but... At the very least, it might be enough to take the heat off of all of you. I just don't know. I don't know if double down, doubling down on the chaos is the best way to go. And I don't know if I trust anything that comes out of Diantalus' mouth. That makes two of us. <laughs> I mean, I, I have... I, we can't have you're... him turn himself in, Varel. We can't. No. No, that would be against the greater plan in the first place. This is a principal city. And I have great allies here now. We have made friends with a powerful vampire who wishes to awaken his kin inside the keep. In fact, looking at this now, seeing the trash and the uselessness of the humans about us, I do believe that an army of vampires would be in our best interest, along with the lizard men and others, perhaps elves from space, as we've heard it said. That would make a much more formidable army for our goal in the long term than a bunch of useless, armored humans who attack an empty hotel. <laughs> well, I can't say that I necessarily disagree. I'm not too keen on the idea of turning myself in, if I'm being honest. I just... I don't know. What do you think? Try and rally Monsoon Cabbage and his uh, people? Just, just want to add a little information for the players, is that uh, Monsoon still owes you the reward for your completion of his task, which was an entrance into the keep. In case we've forgotten as the weeks have gone by. Do we go meet with Monsoon? Find out if the time is now to make our attack? Do we have any way to disguise our motions, as you have done in the past, Stanley? To appear as the withered old man answering the door? I'd do if I let Diantalus take back control. Can he share such power? No, he would have to be the one in charge. Another DM note, nighttime is definitely better to be concealed under than the hot desert daytime we know that buttons is fascinated by your condition apparently and wishes you to be saved in some way turning yourself in may not be 
immediately dangerous. Hmm. Well, let's uh, let's consider our options. We if we rest here. I can let Don Talus take back over. That definitely makes it easier for me to move around, considering I'm now Trashburg's number one priority on being arrested. We can get allies. We can get Monsoon Cabbage and his people. I may even be able to rile up some of the people that we that I spoke with earlier today at the hotel. Maybe cause a riot or two. Maybe in all the chaos we can get something done. There's one problem with engaging with the 26th block directly, and that would be drawing attention back to Hope's resting area. Perhaps getting the entrance from Monsoon, heading in, keeping the guard inside its own building would be best. That's true. What do you think, Nash? What do you propose? <clears throat> I don't like any of this. But if we stay here, we're sitting ducks and we're leaving... We're leaving her exposed. Uh, <clears throat> Varel, you mentioned the tower. Or one of the towers surrounding the, the city. What did you mean yeah. by a distraction in that tower? Because my idea of a d good distraction might be some fire and some mayhem, and I could bring—I can—I know—I ha I know a guy who can bring a little fire and mayhem to one of those towers. Would it be enough time to distract enough people to get what we need done? To distract from her and to—I don't know—move the body of our enemies somewhere else. Maybe our best bet is for me to turn myself in to buy you time. It gives you the freedom to move about the city and do what you need to do while they focus on me. And then when you invade or get in, you can get me out. I'm just worried you'll get stuck in there. We won't I have be a few tricks it. up my sleeve. All right. I like that plan. But we have to be quick about it. We have... This is a four days until the wedding. Hope will be out of commission for likely the next 24 hours, if not more. If we want to see this town fall apart, I have an idea. We hit the refinery. Ooh. We blow that up, burn it down. Okay. They would react. Yes, they it would. It is their primary connection to the principal, after all. Everyone in town requires these guzbucks to function and feed. By destroying that, the entire town would be in an uproar. Hungry by Saturday. We could certainly do that. I'm in. We Either can way. always fall back on turning myself in if that doesn't work. 
Yes, that, I think that might be our best option is to make some sort of action. And should it go sour, we can send you out to be turned in as a final resort to cause the distraction for Nash and I to get out. It, for now, let us wait till nightfall. Yeah, just to just to give some people or give you guys rather um, something to reflect on here is that the primary purpose for being here is to is to kill Jolt, essentially for hope and get her artifacts. So, as you consider all you want to do to blow everything up, um, at the same time, that might not be what you're here for. Uh, so. You know, give that some consideration. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just because there's a lot of ideas about blowing things up, and that, as far as I know, was the stated objective for the group. But uh, these questions swirl around your mind as you wait for nightfall. It sounds like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah so what we're gonna do day. is you guys are, can take your long rest. This is about three, and nightfall will be about six hours. You can eyeball it till then. We can give you guys your long rest. We're going to take our break, and when we come back, we're going to spend some time with Kristen now. Ooh. Oh, all right. I like that. After the break. All right. We're taking a quick break. Everybody hang tight. We'll be back with more in mere moments. So don't go too far. We'll be right back. Take it away, Bo. All right, Hope. Stanley and Varel and Nash have just left the room. You're, you're lying naked on the table with a cloth covered over top of you. You go to move your left arm, and you feel that it's there, but that it's not there. You look down, and you, you take stock of everything that's missing. There's an arm missing, a leg missing. Metal Mandy stands over you with this arm, and she places it down next to your left side and sort of hooks it in the side and then she lifts up your back and she had, there's this large strap that sort of covers over the top of your chest it's like a belt buckle and she pulls tightly as she gently lays you back down wraps it over puts it through the belt buckle and it's very tight you feel a, a sense of not suffocating but a, a tension there and she puts the belt loop through the buckle part, I guess, and straps you in. And there's another piece that sort of goes over where your shoulder and neck are, and she loops that through, lifting up your head gently, putting it through. And she's breathing heavily. <laughs> she works over top of you. And then she does the same with your leg. She reaches into the rucksack that she had carried with her, she pulls out this heavy piece of equipment and it makes a loud as she lays it down on the table and you watch her work as she straps the leg in in the same manner uh, fitting it in and then wrapping a belt around your abdomen putting the belt on tightly and she takes uh, from her rucksack this large like looks like a big piece of metal with a the screen that just glows green and black has these two like etch-a-sketch dials on either side little number pad she lays that down on the table and takes some wires and pulls them out plugs them into the arm and she starts typing and then she says alright now Hope I want you to I want you to try and make it a fist alright 
I try making a fist. And the metal arm lifts up and you see it has five digits. Cold brown and black metals. And you slowly feel... You have no sense of nerves, no sense of feeling, but you look at it and you see the arm close into a fist. Alright, that's good. Now, why don't I'd like you to try lifting up your, your your leg? Can you do that for me? Hopefully not, and slowly try to lift it up, knee up, uh, foot kept on the table. Yeah, and so you slowly bend the knee and see the knee begin to move. Then she reaches into her belt, uh, tool belt, and pulls out a ratchet, and you're like, as she fastens it over a bolt and makes this adjustment. She's like, okay, we're going to try and get you on your feet. All right, now, slowly, but I want you to sit up. Okay, shakily, Hope will kind of push herself up using her both, both arms. Yeah, and uh, everything's can, a little... Yeah. I was just saying, comedically, can the, the robotic arm shoot up a bit higher and faster? So Hope kind of falls over. Okay, okay. there's kind of a rear as you, as you push up and you fall off the, the table. And you sort of fall <laughs> fall to the ground, and now you're lying on the ground. And she's, whoa there, whoa there. Got to go gently. That's some powerful equipment you have. Okay, learning gonna from that mistake. Going to take some getting used to. And Metal Mandy reaches her hand out and offers you to take it. Uh, Hope will use her right hand, the tiefling the, hand. Nope, not with the right <sighs> hand. Give me your left hand. Hope will mutter something and bang her right-handed fist on the ground a little in frustration and then try again with the left hand. All right, and slowly the hand obeys your mental command as it... You bring it up and then close it over her hand. And she pulls, but she doesn't pull you enough for you to get up on your own, even though you could. It's almost as if she wants you to pull yourself up. All right, uh, I'll try to balance then on my left leg and use that to push up so that I'm standing. Okay, athletics check, please. An eight. Okay, you wobble quite a bit. And then you put your, your right hand on the table. You sort of push it away and you hear, as you push it with your right, you try to pull with your left. And eventually, very slowly, you get up on both your legs. Now, your left leg is longer than your right leg. And you seem to be floating a little bit. And it feels really awkward as you steady yourself against Metal Mandy and the bed. She says, hold on one second. Don't move. She lets go of your hand. And let's make a let's make another athletics check, please. Perfect. Uh, 16. Okay. And you gently balance yourself with your metal leg and your metal left arm. As she squats down, gets the ratchet out again, and puts it over this bolt and goes... <laughs> you feel yourself moving lower until your right leg matches the ground, and she looks up at you and she says, All right, now, is that comfortable? Got both legs on the ground? Uh, yes. All right, now try to steady yourself without hanging on to anything. Okay, I uh, hope we'll take a deep breath. And slowly let go of everything she was holding on to. Okay. Make an acrobatics check, please. 
A 15. You're able to steady yourself, and you very quickly start to be able to get the swing of the thing. It's just like having your normal leg and your normal arm, except they're heavier, and you don't feel, like when you brush up against something, you have no nerves there, so you don't feel anything there. It's like, all right, now I want you to walk to the end of the room over there where Dr. Dickles is. And you look over and you see Dr. Dickles sort of with his whiskey bottle. You're, you're, you're doing real good there. R- real good there, Hope. You're pride and joy to it all. <laughs> Come on over to old Uncle Dickles. As long as I get a drink and I make it, I'll start making right. my way. Acrobatics check, please. A nine. Okay. You very uncertainly, like a toddler trying to learn to walk, make your way with great determination to succeed over there. And while you have a few close slips, you eventually make your way after about five minutes over to Dr. Dickles. And then I'll reach out my uh, right hand for the bottle of whiskey. All right. You take it from him. All right. And then I'll take three hard swigs of it and shove it back into his hands alright he takes it back and he just looks at you with glazed eyes and the stench of alcohol strong on him metal man he says alright now job's not done I want you to walk back over to me with newfound liquid courage Hope will turn around and trying to go a bit faster this time we'll walk back alright acrobatics check please 21. All right. This time, as you walk across, you move with great dexterity and great control as you just seem, it seems to all be clicking. And it's like this sort of dance that you're doing with your body and you, you, you walk. Does it make noise when everything moves? There's hydraulic sound. Like, so uh, cool. And you can hear when, when your metal foot, because you're not wearing your boot right now, the metal foot like clanks on the cold ceramic um, bottom. It makes a and there's this heaviness to where you where you step. It's it's throwing you off a little bit in terms of the sound you make. It's it's very difficult to to be quiet. Um, you make your way over to Metal Mandy and she holds her arms out, hands out for you to take both of her hands like this. Okay. okay. I'll reach out, All try right. to take them. All right. And she's she's looking at you in your eyes and she says, "All right, now what I want you to do." Is I put a put a little few fun toys in there for you. Hope I'll smile. I heard you like uh, you, you got a shotgun. You like I saw it there. Yes. Well, while you were under, I put it. I did something special with that with that gun. And I want you to think about as if you had another finger. All right, you got your pinky. Move your pinky. I'll move my pinky. All right, now move your thumb. I'll move my thumb. Now move your gun. I'll imagine my shotgun and pretend I'm cocking it. All right, uh, make a... Let's just make an intelligence check. Let's do that. Uh, 14. All right, and on the first try, this mechanism opens on the forearm of your wrist. Is like you, the shotgun you recognize sawed off so that it only has the barrel and uh, the place where the firing mechanism is. 
unsheaths itself from your arm. <laughs> and now you've you've got this um you've got your shotgun equipped to your forearm. Oh my god. Hands free. <laughs> she looks at you and she says, Now all you gotta do is is concentrate and think about firing and the machine will pick up what you're thinking. You say, shoot with my gun finger. And it'll fire. Why don't you think about that now? Ooh, I'll look around the room. I, I don't know. Are there any bottles other than the whiskey bottle the doctor's holding? I mean, there are bottles of medicine in a medicine cabinet across. <laughs> All right, I'll aim at the bottles in the medicine cabinet. All and right, I'll think, roll. shoot my gun. Roll an attack roll. A 19, which would be a All crit. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I didn't a roll a 19. Sorry, 19, not natural. Oh, okay. So it's not a champion crit. Yeah. Um, you you hear this loud click, click, and nothing comes out of the gun. She says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, we didn't put the ammunition in yet." She's like, "There's a place in there where you can store up to six shells plus one in the chamber for a total of seven. I see you got the hang of it already." So, and just to be clear, you do have an item in your inventory called the forearm cannon that details what this is, and basically it's your shotgun equivalent just in your arm. Awesome. Now, uh, a few other details to note about you as you sort of move with your new arm and leg. Your arm and leg have a few additional properties. Uh, you feel that they're incredibly strong, the arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she looks at one of the medicine bottles in the cabinet. Metal Mandy does. And she walks over. She takes it out of the cabinet. And she gives it to you in your left hand. Take this. All right. I take it. Now I want you to squeeze the living shit out of it. And I start very slowly so I can hopefully hear the cracking. Okay. You start very slowly and it just bursts. <laughs> There's a clear liquid from what was inside dripping down into this. Doctor goes, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't, just ignore me. I'm feeling a little... I better call a doctor for myself. Wait, I am a doctor. And he takes the stethoscope and he starts listening to himself. It's still working. All right. And um, so the property of your left arm that you have is that uh, if you grapple somebody with your left arm, given a naturally strong grip... Mm-hmm. You will impose disadvantage on anyone that uses a dexterity check to escape it. Not a strength check, but a dexterity check to escape your grapple if you're using the left hand to, like, say, strangle somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very difficult. And also, when you're making that check, your strength is considered 20 for that check. Oh. For either strength or dexterity. Yeah. You will, so you get a plus four modifier instead of whatever your strength is now. Okay. All right. And now Metal Mandy looks at you and says, "All right, now I want you to, I want you to try jumping." Well, all right, and I'll bend my knees and jump. All right. So you jump, and um, now usually your jump height, I believe, is your mod- your dexterity modifier, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but as you go to jump, you jump all the way up to the ceiling using your left leg. Oh. And you clear about eight feet. Like your feet, your bottom. So you jump like your height up into the air as you push up against the ceiling and then come back down and whew, 
Hope we'll kind of stand there in the squat after landing and look around, getting used nope. to the feeling. Man, Metal Mandy says, now look, you got to be careful with that little thing, because if you jump from too high, you're still going to hurt yourself. You'll take fall damage. But it's kind of useful to be running around, and maybe you can get yourself into a neat little space. I mean, there's hydraulics in the thing. You're able to jump pretty far with it. She's like, I got one more thing to show you, little missy. Now, show me your hand again. Extend out your left arm. All right. Hope extends out her left arm. All right. Now, what I, follow my instructions carefully. All right. I want you to use your thumb to touch the palm of your hand. All right. I slowly bring the thumb over, touch the palm of my hand. Now, I want you to touch your palm of your hand with your pinky. All right. She does that with her pinky. Now, touch it with your index. All right. Index. Now, your ring. Then ring. And that, all right, nothing happens. She says, now I want you to do it again quickly, in quick succession. All right, so thumb, pinky, first finger, ring finger. Yeah, and as you do it, your arm clicks. Oh, God. Your fingers, your hand spreads into four different pieces and retracts down your forearm. Oh, my God. Outside the bottom of your wrist right here, a large barrel becomes exposed. And it sort of extends out, and she's like, now be careful because there's live, live ammunition in there. Ugh. But you know that little rocket, that little rocket launcher you got, it's gone. But well, you still had one of the rockets on you, so I put it in there. So this little toy will shoot out uh, any explosive payload that you got in there. It won't fire while your arm's closed, but all you got to do is extend your arm out. It's like snap your, bend your wrist and then snap it straight. Like how you can see how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And it'll fire what's in there. Now, the rocket you have in there will do 8d8 damage in a 60-foot blast radius, as you learned in your experience in the cave. So you mm-hmm. want to be careful. I'm just like, you just want to close, close it. it? Just think about clo- retracting it. All right. Hope I'll close your eyes and think really hard about mm-hmm. it closing. And your feet, your hand sort of, the, the barrel sort of resheaths itself inside your wrist, and the hand closes together and is now back to a metal amalgamation of bolts and 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 uh, steel strips. And she's like, well, there you go. I've still got some adjusting to do, so I want you to lie back down on the table. And as you lie back down on the table, the door opens. And a, a little old lady Who's this? wearing all black comes in. Closes the door quickly behind her. She looks around. I'm Dr. Nichols. Oh, yes, right here, right here. Uh, this is uh, Sarah. It's a sister Sarah. Uh, she's going to help you get better. So why don't you go ahead and lie down? Okay. Okay, and, and sister Sarah goes, looks around. And Metal Mandy is just, like, working, and they all start, they all start working over top of you as... Um, as Sister Sarah begins uh, examining with her eyes looking at you, she's like, "Ah, oh, yes, yes. You took a rough spill there, lady. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Tell me, what happened? Uh, well, I was messing around with a new weapon I got. I see you got yourself some new toys, but uh, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done to heal your wounds. And that's why I'm here. 
So just relax yourself. I want you to take a deep breath. Hope we'll take a deep breath. Okay. And then as you take a deep breath, you feel a pinprick in the side of your neck. Ah. I didn't notice. She's, and she goes, now, now, hush. Hush, little lady. Shh. And you begin to lose. Uh, make a constitution save. Um, 23. Okay. Um, you fight back against it. You're losing consciousness as whatever you're injected with seems intent on putting you out. And it's all, all going to be okay now. No. Just relax. Just relax. And it takes you longer than normal as you fight, but eventually lose consciousness. All right. All right. And um, you uh, have. Disturbing dreams, and the sleep is not restful. And you, at various points, you think maybe you opened your eyes and you saw middle Mandy, and you saw the sister Sarah working over top of you. And then at one point, you opened your eyes and you saw middle Mandy beginning to fill her rucksack with things, and you tried to to speak out, but you just hear an echoing, and you can't speak back. And it seems like you're not there, but you're there and present. And at one point, Metal Mandy sort of turns around to look over you one last time, and then she looks off to speak to someone, and then she looks back at you, and a large knife shoots out from her chest. And as she looks out in surprise, she goes, blood splatters everywhere. And then sort of that's all you remember seeing. And then you remember looking over and seeing... Dr. Dickel's in the corner and, and someone with a, with a large piece of wood just smacking him <laughs> as his head exploded open. But then you're like, uh, you looked over and Sister Sarah was there and she was also had like a big, there's a 26 gang member that you recognize. You saw the 26 emblazoned on the face and it's, I think it was that Carnage guy, whatever his number 42 <laughs> Carnage. He looks over and he smiles and he, he, he whispers the word, you can't hear it, but you think it's he mouths the word boom, and then this large shank into Sister Sarah, and then you think you see a wheelbarrow with bodies everywhere, and you see blood trails, and you see 26 working workers working, and you see, feel like you're sort of floating, and there's a hooded man in front of you, and then all is black. After a time, you open your eyes again, and you're you're laying on a bed. You're laying on top of the sheets. The sheets are red and velvety. The pillows are comfortable and your head is sunken into the pillows. I'll kind of blink a few times to get my eyes to start working again and I'll look around. You look to the left and you see cavernous clay walls, brown. There's a small candle, like a candle, like a lantern, sorry on a table illuminating the room and you look and the walls look look like gray cavernous walls um they look damp it's, everything's musty it's very damp very cool in here relievingly so and you see that there's uh like a, a um a drawer made of wood gorgeous beautiful chestnut wood and you look around at the bed and there are four posters on it and up above there's like you know cloth hanging above it that's also red 
and that you look over and you see a mirror and a table and and there are various I don't know uh, jars and vials on the table and a, and a chair there's lots of wooden furniture in here you see a, a, an ornate carpet lying on the ground and on the other side of the bed towards the wall there's a large wooden door um, I'll slowly kind of push myself up and swing my feet to the floor am I barefoot? do I have anything on? Uh, you're wearing your pants and you're wearing you have your you have a, a the clothes you don't recognize they're not yours but you're wearing uh, cargo fatigues they're gr uh, not great but beige they look worn there's tears in them you have a pair of combat boots on uh, they're over top of your metal leg you're also wearing sort of a large like a large a loose shirt uh, like a jerkin style shirt sort of tie this little clasp in the front so short sleeved cool I'll stand up and so there's a drawer there, there are dressers on either side drawers on either side mm -hmm. cool I'll look to the drawers on the left side of the bed that's where I'll get out of bed okay and as you, as you sit up and look around and take stock you see a large cloaked figure sitting next on a stool, sort of out of view, hood over top. You recognize it as the frame and figure of likely monsoon cabbage. Uh, finally awake. Yes. What happened? Your friend Stanley has made himself known. What do you mean? Guard. What did Stanley do? It seems Stanley attempted to murder a mage of the Arcanum Universalis. And this mage has alerted the Guzzle Gang to your activities. And now they search for him. Mage? We didn't know anyone... A mage, the only thing we knew was that stupid cat. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I gotta get out of here. No. You'll stay here. We'll collect your friends and bring them here. There's nowhere safe in the city at the moment. Because, okay. because of Stanley's mistake we had to purge so they are dead yes you may have seen yeah, I know that your 45 carnage has told me that <laughs> at some point your eyes were open but I have no reason to deceive you my child Dr. Dickles and Sister Sarah and Metal Mandy all had to be set aside. The allure of their rewards are too great. They could not be trusted. Yeah. Do you know where I might be able to find your friends? Uh, we had Charlemagne's and that's really it. Charlemagne's is compromised. The Teat Guard attacked there this afternoon. 
They've taken your friend, the goblin. Oh no. Where did they take him? Likely to the keep. How do we get there? I will share how we get there with all of your friends, but we must find them first. There's much to discuss. Was it there anything I can do? Go? I can't just sit here the whole time. By the way, you've had a long rest, so you have three levels of exhaustion. You can remove one of the levels of exhaustion. He says, for now I'll have my servant Laszlo bring you something to eat. <laughs> I'd just like you to relax here. <laughs> okay. I love the name Laszlo you're, so much. You are, you are in a safe place. I'll have Laszlo bring you some food. <laughs> Where is this place? We are safe deep beneath the 26 block headquarters. They won't find us here. Okay. And he gets up and he moves and he says, I'm glad that you're here and that you've come. Please don't feel alarmed. You're in a safe place. I won't. With that, he gets up, moves towards the door, and exits. And shortly thereafter, you hear a knocking on the door. Kabunk, kabunk, kabunk. Yes? It is Laszlo. <laughs> I have your meal. Hi, Laszlo. Uh, feel free to bring it in. Would you be a dear and open the door? <laughs> hey. Yes, I can do that. And then Hope will get up and make her way over to the door. You go to open the door, and uh, what you see sort of shocks you. You see a large humanoid figure in the shape of stone. Sort of, he's like a big round stone, and then he has these stone legs, and he's wearing like an apron on his waist, and he's holding a tray with the stone arms but he's only got like three digits and the face is just there's like a little crevice where there's rocks for a face and these little sunken holes where there's no eyes there but you assume that's where eyes are he says please excuse me I must come in and he ducks his head under as he stands eight feet tall as he, as he scrunches his body in and slowly steps in large rock sounds as he moves in, and then his full height comes into play of eight feet. He stands above you. Where would you like me to place your tray? Hope is kind of shocked out of staring at this thing she's never seen before, and she just quietly and awkwardly points to the table that Monsoon was sitting at. Uh, so Laszlo walks over the stone frame, and he puts it down very carefully. And there's a bowl of steaming goodness in there. You're not quite sure what it is. And there's a cup. Looks like it has a kind of mead in it and cutlery. All right, my dear. If there's anything else I can get you, if I can draw you a bath or perhaps help you with any other of your needs, please just ring the bell. There's any points to it, a drawstring near the bed. 
ring the bell and I will come and perform services as required. Hope will slowly nod and thank you, Laszlo. It was it nice a, meeting you. It is a pleasure to meet you as well. And then the giant rock person curtsies as he puts one leg back and one leg forward and sort of takes the apron out and curtsies in front of you and then gets back up and hunches his or her body out the door and then closes the door gently behind him or her. All right. Meanwhile, our first golem in Blusher's Haunt. We're in the, uh, a building marked by a skull. The cupboards are empty. The doors are all open. There's floorboards pulled up. Little spiders crawl across the wall. We see Nash and Stanley and Varel sleeping, but not sleeping very soundly. It's dead quiet in the town, and the sun has gone down as they plot their next move. Were we told before we left the place what the time frame would be for her? I mean, before we don't know all this stuff has gone down, but well, you were told just to leave. That okay. you know she was clearly still in recovery, and that your services were no longer needed. All right. Well, it is good to see you all again. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry, Diane Talis, welcome back. It seems we've reconsidered just how knowledgeable my approach to things is, haven't we? The hell are you talking about? I'm talking about Varel, of course. It seems he's a little more amicable to my way of thinking. After all, Stanley's method seems to have left you in quite a predicament, didn't it? Varel, are you awake? I'm awake. All right. You want to say anything to this? I don't like associating you two. You two together don't really work for me. Yes. I accept your wisdom. And find myself overwhelmed by these human constraints. It seems to me, after much thought, that my people would be relieved that perhaps all problems of this world are in fact through the interactions and my friend Bok Bok would not hunger for human flesh if there were no humans that the vampires would find other stock if they weren't corrupted by the humans that there would be no slavery in the goblin kind if humans weren't so easily trapped and manipulated I think that's very wise. Stanley is half-human, 
and no doubt it is that half that felt sparing buttons was a better way to go than killing him outright. I'm a little ashamed to say that he convinced me that it would be a better way to go. And now look at the predicament that we're in. You guys know I'm human, right? You know I'm human. I'm just checking. All this talk about let's get rid of all the humans. If the humans were here, we wouldn't have any problems. Well, your old buddy Nash here is uh, as human as they get. So maybe just Mm. tiptoe around that a little bit better. Don't sell yourself short, Nash. You are so much more than that. says Nash (laughs) (laughs) now how do you think we should proceed (sighs) what do you suggest die in Talos I think we should touch base with our allies here we are hidden for now but at least within the 26 block we know we have people who will watch our back and not rat us out i think heading back that way to make a plan is ideal i know we said we would wait for hope to recover before we met with monsoon but perhaps this turn of events has forced our hand we can't leave hope though not an option I mean if we don't get her now we get her somehow that's the deal we're a team either way it takes us to the same place I'll be able to move a little more freely now that I can appear as I wish though I can't do much for the two of you Nash was going to say a really rude thing, but he didn't do it. As you contemplate the thing you're about to say, you see a large spotlight spill into the window very quickly, illuminating everything, and then moving on. You sort of look to see the disturbance and look at one of the windows, and you see that spotlights have been set up on the ramparts of the keep, and that spotlights are being sort of shown, you know, prison style, moving around in Trashburg. Stay down. They certainly are agitated, aren't they? Yes, they are. I am. Very overwhelmed by this situation. We came here with a simple goal. If we had killed them that day, you saw them on the stage, we would already be gone, but now we are embroiled. And we will see this through. Nash, I do not begrudge your humanity. I welcome it. You are my sensible liaison to their kind. While you are unique and you have a special perspective on things, you have been the most honorable human I know. Well, I like you too, Varel. <laughs> but all I'm saying Isn't is, touching. listen, if we're going after humans, I don't care if they're bad humans, but I can't. it can't just be because they're humans. 
It's got to be because there's a, there has to be a reason. There is. And I am not saying exterminate all humans. What I am saying is that twist on Diantalus's words that these problems come from the combination of humanity and the monsterkin. That the principle by enslaving, by using humans has taken on their perversions. And if we are to be free, if we are to once again establish the honor of this world, those two may need to separate and we would be better allying ourselves with the monster kind. Well, Diantalus, what do you propose we do first? Well, let us get out of here first. See if we can get hope and then perhaps make our way to Monsoon Cabbage. So we hit Dr. Dickles on our way there. Yes. You can disguise, I can move fast. Nash, what shall we do with you? I don't know. This is a problem. Uh, does anyone have other clothes that might fit me? in your little hideaway here. Because if I could put on something other than this robe... I'd just like to remind everybody that, that you guys did get Blood Ball uniforms, which are basically the Trashburg Basic clothing, just it has your name and number on it. Well, that doesn't seem to be good. Yeah, lock yeah. yourself in the cage, why don't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. They're right, they're I'm, Charlemagne's and they have our names on them. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just reminding the party that they have it. I Yeah, <laughs> just, you know, you're like, do you have any clothes? And I'm like, well, you guys got some clothes. I don't know. Well, all right. Um, Maybe you could rip off the stitching that has a name on it. I don't know. You could turn it inside out. Where are these clothes? Are they here with us? I mean, they're not I'm in inventory. When when I give you things, you write them in your inventory. So if they're R in your inventory, right? But I wouldn't. And I left mine at Charlotte. Yeah, I wouldn't carry it with me. I have mine because I'm the only person who carries their inventory with them. It seems. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be a weird thing to take with me, wouldn't it? All right. I mean, it's just how D and D works. You get things, you put them in your inventory. If you don't write them in, then I guess you don't have them. <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, I get it. Um. Nash, why don't we turn this inside out, put it on you, and you can walk around as a blood ball player. Oh yeah, inside out. Good idea. Give me yours. Hand it over. Alright. We're about the same height, aren't we? Roughly. Yeah. I think Stanley's taller than you. Okay. So, so it'll look a little big on me, but that's okay. Alright, I change into those. I mean, what What's do you the... do with your robe? Uh, I'll put it in my inventory. Do you, have like you, a, do you have a bag? Do you, you carry a bag or anything? I'm just teasing. Um, let's. Um, hmm. I can carry it for you, Nash. All right, you be my bag of holding. Also, I should uh, do something about my head, though. Um, yeah, your head is exposed. Do we have? Are, are there any sheets or bedding or, or drapery type material anywhere in this place? This place is picked pretty clean. It's a haunt for blushers who you know squat here. There's no real 
There's nothing of living value. There's a moldy pile of goo in the corner. You could put on the hat. That's a bat guano. All right, I'm going to wear the hat, and I am going to smear bat guano on my face to try to hide me. <laughs> I'm going to try to hide my stuff a little bit. It's not an improvement. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I just need not to be recognized. So what did you put on your head? The hat, this baseball hat, the the blue ball. Okay, you put a baseball hat in, you cover your face in bat guano. Yeah, I'm just going to smear it around okay. my face to hide some of my, <laughs> some of my more angry-looking, you know... <laughs> <laughs> so you just see this face of like you know bat guano and then and he opens his eyes and there's these like he's one glowing red eye and one eye yeah just and, and i'll keep i can keep that eye kind of squinted so people don't see the light and you know i'll just okay. fake it the best i can all right fake it till i make it <laughs> i will uh disguise self and shift myself back into the uh i don't remember what we called them two weeks ago but uh the little old man disguise okay all right your appearance ch changes before everyone and you look like you have the trashberg basic clothing you know what he looks like for theater of the mind remember when jafar pretended to be an old man in the prison he oh like yeah like that yeah okay yeah, right. he could do is that. everyone ready to go? I remind you all that no one is allowed in these streets. While you may be disguised, I still suggest you move fast. Very well. Let's get on our way. All right, you guys make your way back down to the main floor of the building. You're now at the front door. Ash. Yeah. Burn it. Really? Like, for real, you're going to let me burn it? I think the distraction would do us well. We have many spotlights. Say no more! <laughs> I start to do my thing, and my I don't have my robe on, so nothing's fluttering in the wind, but I, I crack open a, uh, the beginnings of a big fireball, and I, and I huck it right into, the, into the, the, the evidence of where we once were. Oh, okay. You're going to full on make sure to use a spell slot if you're using the fireball spell. I am. Right now. All right. Uh, so from nothing, you uh, summon forth from your fingertips a large sphere of fiery explosion and aim it back into the building where <laughs> jets of flame shoot out from the hallways and the walls begin melting very quickly with fire and the place is basically kindling of a building. So it's going up super fast. Cool. Smoke begins billowing out the windows. Fire, you know, smoke begins filling up the room. You start, you begin suffocating as you hold your breath. And the place is fully on fire. I turn around. Out the door, top speed. Yep, let's go. Yep. All right. You, you open up the door and you make your way to the night air. It's dark. Uh, you see the smoke leaving, but it hasn't, you know, it's not fully engulfed in a conflagration yet. Uh, so I'm assuming, where are you heading? What's your destination? I, I'm heading top speed, which is advanced, thanks to being a barbarian, to Dr. Dickles. Okay. All right. So at each intersection, I'd like you to roll a d12, please. Okay. Just Varel or all of us? Uh, it was rolling for the group. Okay. okay. Since he's the advanced person with the extra movement. 12. All right. 
Um, as you as you reach the intersection, you hear some the sounds of conversation uh, come from the left corner. Here, right now, uh, who do you think is going to win the uh, the blood ball match on Friday? Are they still going to have it? Oh, they surely have to have it. They can't disappoint us. I heard that that the Stanley was part of the team. I wonder what's happening with that. You hear the sort of conversation about baseball happening around the corner. Cool. Advance. Okay, you advance uh, in the left corner, you know, just going straight. Are you trying to do it with stealth so they don't see you? You haven't looked at them yet, so you don't know what the situation is. Or are you going to confront them? No, confidence in my speed that I would just book on by. Okay, so the party books on by. Um... I need a performance check from everyone. All right. Uh, 13. 12. Varel, make the roll. Am I performing? I'm, I'm just going as fast as I can. I'm assuming yep. I'm going to be outbooking these guys. Okay, so you quickly move across then. And then as you head across, Nash, you hear a voice behind you, and you didn't really look. Hey, Oi! You over there! Hey! You that? with the baseball jersey! <laughs> baseball shirt. <laughs> you haven't turned around yet. Are you? What are you doing? Um, I know what I usually want to do. But I'm going to resist the temptation and ignore his initial yelling at me and just keep going. And you hear, hey, wait, don't ignore me. Turn your face. And you hear footsteps pick up behind you as you keep I would like, I'll look around. What can I see? Is he coming at uh, you me? Turn, you turn to quickly look back and you see uh, two men in a riot gear, black fatigues, shotguns holstered up in their front, uh, masks on so you can't see their face, like, like motorcycle mask with a big visor. Yeah, they start. They start running toward. They're running towards you. Their Am I now behind Wait, them? Then you're ahead of Nash slightly. So you can all glance around and look at the commotion as you're being. Chased. How many are there? Two. I'm gonna turn around and go, gentlemen, gentlemen. There you are, my house. It's on fire. It's on fire! They, they're monsters! They lit it on fire! <laughs> like, what, what? And uh, so I needed a deception... Deception? No, performance roll, please. You're not lying. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's a 24. Okay, and they both sort of stop, look, and they turn around. Then one of them lifts up their visor, and you see a face inside and peers. Like, holy, right, holy shit! Who set your house on fire? I don't know. They were vandals. They ran the other way. They set it on fire. No, we need more information. Was it the men we were looking for? I think one of them was that Stanley. He's a monster. What di what direction did they run in? They went down that way. I point the opposite direction. That we're <laughs> Deception check, please. Deception check. Uh, 22. All right. 
All right. They're like, get to your home now and lock the door. Don't come out. My home's on fire. <laughs> well, do you yeah, find someone else that you know and go there? So we have important business. And they, they both, they, she closes his visor and they both take off in the direction that you've pointed, running at top speed now, hustling down. And as you sort of look, you see a, a lick of flame burst out the window and a piece of gl- like a, a window sort of breaks. And the place is now fully billowing smoke. From the keep, a light sort of actually instantly snaps over to that direction. And you begin to hear on the intercom, as the town becomes alive with the sound of um, the siren. All right. I'm going to keep running after Varel now. All right. As you approach the next intersection, let's get a roll, please. Two. All right. You sort of look around. It's quiet. And you move on. Dance. Seven. All right. Again, all quiet as the sounds of the siren continue to blare. And you can hear footsteps of a group of people, but somewhere far off and not anywhere within your eyesight. Now, do you want to continue straight or move left or right? Let's continue straight another go. Yeah. All right. Well. Well, all right. Uh, as you approach this next intersection, um, you start to hear the footsteps, uh, many, many heavy footsteps coming from the direction of left. It's a large amount of, of heavy boot steps that you hear sort of running on the ground, likely rushing to your direction. To the left. Okay, if I'm out ahead, I will, I will put my heels in the ground, spin around, and run back and direct... Okay, everyone, <laughs> you run to the end, hear it, you turn around and you motion for everyone to run the other way. So yeah, we're gonna run back. back and left. So we are so we're turning around now our new left heading north on the map. Okay. So I'm just exactly. gonna use exactly. you as the symbol. Yeah, I'm gonna move these guys. Alright, so you run towards the left. You can still hear the footsteps come from behind you. Uh roll the D twelve, please. One. Okay. It's quiet this intersection, but you have limited time before you're potentially seen by the passing footsteps. Cool. Trying to time it out like a like a kid hiding on the other side of a table, trying not to take a bath. I will switch, you know, use the building to block us as we switch sides around it. So that hearing the passing on the other go, I advance. Okay. okay. So you advance uh, using the wall as cover, and you hear the footsteps like from your left down a f- down one block, and then you hear it pass to the right. And then as it gets quieter, um, the glow from the building begins. You begin to see the glow from atop the buildings where the fire is starting to really rage and a large column of smoke erupts from the gray buildings. Cool. Start booking it again. Okay. So you now sort of make your way to a more open area where you see tents. The buildings have stopped and there are these, these huts still very quiet, although you see some lights from some of the huts still. There's no event. Advance. All right. Uh, You cut across all. uh, All three of you cut across this like, you know, these these mud huts and these tents. Uh, Again, it's quiet outside, so you don't encounter any people, and you begin to enter into the building area again. Uh, You see the gray buildings move up, and you reach a new intersection. And just before you get there, let's roll a d12. Three. 
You get to the intersection, it's quiet. You begin to make out the telltale signs of the 26 block and can see the entrance to the 26 block hideout from where you are. Where the cars are parked, blocking off certain directions towards them. Cool, I'll advance the one more block and then run, take a turn southward towards Dickles. Okay, advance one more block, take a turn southwards. All right, let's get a roll. Two. All right, all is quiet. And from there, based on where you've situated yourself and your memory, you think you're at where Dr. Dickles is, but the building from your vantage point looks painted over, and it doesn't say Dr. Dickles there anymore. It's like a different shade of gray painted over top of a different gray as if it was covered. All right, run up to the door and try it. Okay, you run up to the door, open it. It's pitch black inside. Can't see. I'll take out the lantern that I have and light it. Okay. The three of you huddle around the door and peer in. You see the chairs and the tables there, but there doesn't appear to be anyone present in the waiting room. At one point, there looks to be like a, a wet streak, a dried wet streak on the ground leading to the back. I will run it towards the back, planning to throw open Hope's door. You, uh, you run towards the operating room where Hope is. You open it up. Stanley follows with the... or Dientalis follows with the lantern. There's nobody in there. There's a table. It sort of looks like it's been pushed aside. There's broken glass all over the floor. A few dried brownish looking streaks where the light gets shown on the ground and on the wall. Is Pod with me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I would like to do a survival check to Aragorn this business. Okay. Thirteen. Okay. Now when you say Aragorn, you mean find the story of what's happened here? Yeah, exactly. So their, their ropes were cut. They crawled. Yeah. So you uh, examine the area, and the streaks are definitely dried blood. There was a struggle. There were bodies dragged on the ground. There was an attempt to clean it, but very poorly done. As you look at things, you hear like a, a voice from behind you go, I... Hey, hey! Spin around to address it. You look back and you see, um, well, Dientalus, you might recognize Joe. But there's a 26, 26er in the doorway, a little heavy looking. He's got his one hand sort of scratching his butt. Hey, hey, you guys! Hey, boom! Where did they take her? Your friend is safe. Go see, go see 26. Thank go you, see Monsoon, you know, Mr. Cabbage. We move. And I head to the door. All right, you guys, you guys head to the door. Uh, look of recognition enters his face uh, as he sees you, Diane Talis. And he says, I don't look like him, hey. though. I look oh, like an right. old man. That's true. So he looks at you and he looks like this. Oh, it's the it. butt guy, right? 
It's the butt guy, yeah. You uh, recognize him. I mean, uh, if you were there present during Stanley's, thing, you've seen this man's asshole. <laughs> you got Diane Chalice has nothing to say to him, though. It's just, it's just... All right. All right. <laughs> okay. So and and so Joe looks at you guys and says, "You guys got to come to 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 the base. It's not safe out here." All right. So back into the main uh, foyer and. Uh... I'm just going to book it out the door in the direction of Monsoon Cabbage right. Base. At the next intersection, let's roll a d12. Nine. Okay. Uh, you move. You make your way quietly. You hear now, you see the large column of flame coming out from the buildings in Blusher's Haunt. Smoke. You hear the sight and the siren. We're still going. All the lights are scanning furiously. Uh, the buildings you stop for a moment as the light passes over the intersection and then it gets dark again and then continue your way on um, you're at the front entrance there's nobody guarding the front entrance to the 26 block area you just make your way through that opening doorway you don't put your guns in or anything like that you guys all sneak into the building um, and as you get inside there you see uh, there's a few 26ers hanging around and one of them is 42 carnage he goes hey man boom Glad you're here. Monsoon wants to speak to you now. You know what I'm saying? So bad. All right, come on with me, yo. Come on, come on, come on. Thank you, Joe. Now uh, get on. I need you to look at. Uh, I need you to look after ramparts. All right, while we take care of this. All right, come on. He sort of motions for you to uh, come to the back of the main floor where there's a. He opens up a trap door and he's like, "Get on down the. Get on those stairs. Come on now. Boom. We gotta hurry. You know what I'm saying? Proceed." All right, you guys hustle down the, the ladder. Ladder goes down into this sort of dark area um, where it's like a basement. There's no lights. Looks to be like empty boxes, stuff hanging around. Looks very empty. And then he, as he comes down the last one, he moves over towards a wall, and he moves aside a little brick with his fingers, and then he reaches his hand in, and, and you hear a little mechanism as the wall sort of to the other side opens up and you hear and opens up a crack about two feet wide he's like all right man get in there did i have to deposit my sword at the entrance no not okay. you just there was no one guarding it there's there's no there's very few 26 block members present cool advance all right you guys make your way into a little crack it's a small darkened room the clay walls and as you move in the door closes behind you and you're in pitch blackness Except for the lantern that the old the old man has, and as you stand there for a minute waiting for something to happen, you feel the floor thud underneath you, and then you're on some other kind of elevator, and you hear sort of, <laughs> as you appear to be moving down a shaft as the walls move up and the floor just slides down, and it slides down for a solid ten minutes. Good. It's just the three of you and Pod in the space. You guys are all, it's a very small room. It's maybe like five feet by five feet. So you're all pressed up against each other. You can feel each other's breath on each other. I whisper, well done. Well done. Finally, it grinds to a halt. <laughs> 
and then a little part of the clay wall just sort of slides aside. There's an opening about two feet wide for you guys to slide through. As you exit the elevator, you're opened up into a large cavernous clay room, clay walls, damp and moist, but in the center is a long dining table with about 18 seats. Above it, from the top, there's a chandelier lit with candles, lighting this room and providing it with the only warmth because it's otherwise cold. There's a hearth that's currently unlit. There's two chairs off to the side of the table, a pair of glasses on the table. There are several paintings also hung up on the sides of the room. There's also a stand where you see a cello. sort of on a cello stand, just sort of laying there with a stool next to it. There are two doors exiting from the back of the room to the left and right. There are these wood makeshift doors that are cut into the rock, it looks like, on big iron hinges. At the end of the table, you see the man you recognize, hood back. It's Monsoon Cabbage. He has a book in his hand that he's reading. He looks up at you and he says, Finally, you've gotten here. I'm glad to see you're safe. And he closes the book and throws it on the table. I bet you're wondering where Hope is. Laszlo, go get Hope. And then, you didn't really notice it before, but an inanimate humanoid object made of rock begins moving and goes, I will get Hope. And he sort of makes his way to one of the doors and opens it and then huddles into the door. Makes his way through. Hope, there's a knock at your door. Uh, I've been kind of rifling through one of the doors. And I'll slowly close it, putting the stuff back in. Yes? Sorry to bother you, Hope. That I Monsoon would like to see you. I'm I'm coming. And I'll walk on over to the door and open it. And you open it and Laszlo's there. Come this way, missus. I will follow. And he puts his big rock arm out like in a bow, like this. Oh! <laughs> we'll kind of look at it and then realization will dawn on her and she'll kind of grab onto his arm. Okay. He guides you down a hallway past several sets of doors towards the end where he opens up the door and says the lady first please uh, thank you Leslo and then you enter through the door and then you can hear him struggling to like uh, crouch down and <clears throat> make his way through the door and you enter into this large room you see Ho- uh, Stanley, Varel and Nash Actually, you see an old man. <laughs> it's like you, forget. you see an old Trashburg man, at Nash with a baseball jersey turned inside out, and a baseball cap, and <laughs> bad guano all over his face. <laughs> and Varel standing um, at one end of a table with Monsoon sort of sitting with his hands on his lap. We'll both kind of tear up and then they quickly make her way over and give hugs to everybody except the old man. 
<laughs> I don't think I've ever seen the old man before. <laughs> as you run over, you make a lot. You make, you're like rink, 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 as she runs over. <laughs> as she runs over, and who do you hug first? Uh, who's closest? Who has the least Varel amount of bat dead. shit on their All face? All right, yeah. starting with Varel and then moving down the line. Right. You go to give him a hug, and um, you squeeze him incredibly tight. I'd like you to make it in a strength check, please. Oh, okay. That's adorable. Uh, 11. Okay. Um, Varel, you have difficulty breathing as her grip with the left strange metal hand squeezes on you in a in an incredibly powerful way. Oop, I, oh, I am I am glad you are well, oh. kind of hovering my arms out to the side. I don't think I've actually been hugged in this campaign, so <laughs> I'm being attacked, but I'm friendly, so I give it a pass. <laughs> All right, and then you run over to Nash to give him a hug. Mm -hmm. uh, make a strength check, please. Who, me? Uh, 16. Oh. All right. Um, <laughs> she hugs you very hard. And it hurts. Uh, let's. Uh, you take two points of damage as <laughs> as, the arm, as the arm digs into your back. The metal like fingers just like claw into you deeper than intended, and you get this big hug. And you can't tell if it, you can't tell if it's nice or not because it hurts. Okay. And then as she puts you down, she steps on your foot, and it like really hurts. <laughs> Why? Why? Why is that happening? Well, it's because she's not in full control yet of using it in the right yet. way. Okay. Yeah. There's the old so man still. She has to be very gentle with her machinery when it comes to interacting with other people or risk hurting them. Hey, as long as she doesn't, if she's not completely disgusted by my bat shit face, it's fine. Yeah. As you go in for the <laughs> hug, like you pull away, hope, and then there's like this sort of brown spot on your cheek. Oh, it's all right. Yeah. I'm sure there's a story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, old man sees what just happened to Nash and is not changing from looking like an old man that nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> well, you said it was the same old man, so... I don't know if oh, that's true. You would actually recognize him. Oh, I see okay. the same old man that you did a f uh, yesterday. When okay, then I'll go up to hug Diantalus last. No hugs, please. <laughs> oh, he's refusing it. Grapple contest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is strength, correct? Yep. I'm dodging hugs. with dexterity, so I have disadvantage, right? That's only for release. Oh, okay. Not for the grapple. For sweet release. I rolled... 11. 10. Oh. Yeah, you just barely dodge out of the way as the old man like swats the the hand away. So slips out of the way pretty dexterously for right. old man. Hope, I'm glad you're okay. Glad you all are all right. What happened? I heard something about Stanley in the radio, and they got Bok Bok, and I don't know what's they going on. They got Bok Bok. You didn't know? The radio didn't mention Bok Bok. Oh, it didn't. Says Monsoon for the table. I had men observing. As well. But as they, well, what do you mean? They raided Charlemagne's. Your friend was there when they attacked. That's the most disappointing. Hope. They have 
all of our names. It seems that our activities have been known and betrayed by buttons. I figured as much. They also have Tedna. Hope will cough awkwardly. <laughs> kind of look around, not making eye contact with anybody. But I'm glad to see you well and moving, apparently. Uh, yeah, I got these. And I'll hold out my arm and show my leg. Well, there's a boot. I'll go to pull off the boot of the left leg. But I'd probably fall over while doing all of this. <laughs> it's very weird. Like, it's like a kid trying to, you know, take off their clothes so they have to sit on their butt and kind of like pull things off. Is this the work of the Koromu Kishi? What? No. No, it was uh, Dickles and Metal Mandy. And then there was this, this Sara there. And she put me down. And uh, I guess they had to be put down. Yes. Most unfortunate. Your little adventure. And then Monsoon looks over at the old man. Diane Talos. I'll go ahead and drop the appearance. Yes. Uh, was it you or was it your little friend that you're riding that caused this mess? It was mostly the work of him. Believe me, if I wanted him dead, he'd be dead. Yes, why didn't you kill him? He's causing a lot of trouble for us now. I was convinced that perhaps quiet was the better option, and Stanley made a convincing argument. I shouldn't have listened to him. The problem was not how loud it was, it was how unfinished it was left. When you dine to kill something, more. you need to make sure the job gets done. That was very sloppy of your host. <laughs> You'll find no argument from me. Well then, on to other matters. It may seem dire, the fact that the town is after you, but now that you're safely with me, we'll be able to continue our venture together. Yes. Is anyone hungry? Laszlo? Laszlo will fetch you what you need to eat. Laszlo is my servant. What do you and got? You have... I'm starving. I need a stronger drink. He'll probably make you whatever stew he's been cooking today. We don't have a lot of different food here because I don't really eat. What do you have, Laszlo? I've made a stew for our guests. It's very good. I'm in. Bring it. I'm starving. All right. Serve them stew, Laszlo. Is he still wearing Blunk Oliver's head? No. <laughs> that would be an important detail. Oh, that's good to know. He's, yeah. I will sit at the table. Very good. I will return with stew. And he rocks. Sort of makes a lot of noise as he walks over to the door and gently... 
Why do I get questions. the feeling every time he says stew or anyone here says stew, it's like stew with like quotation mark hands? Why am I why Just am a, I paranoid about that? Because paranoid? you hang out with Bok Bok a lot. <laughs> uh, something's fishy here. All right, fine. Bring a stew. Monsoon says, we have much to discuss. I'll need your full attention. And he gets up and he moves over to a set of drawers and he opens one up, pulls out a large scroll, walks back to the table, folds it out. You see a map of the teat on the table. We must begin to draw our battle plans now. First here, I must explain to you why I had you kill Blunk Oliver. You may have noticed something strange with him, yes? Yes. Did you have a chance to question him? Briefly. Vorel? He, before his beheading, mentioned the farm. Ah. That's a detail I did not know. What I did learn was this. That it was, as I suspected, the Toe Rippers did not exist a decade hence. And it, it, they grew in size and power at a very suspicious rate. And what I learned is that they were under the influence of elected. Tell me, do you know what elected is? Servants of the principal. Dangerous. In a manner of speaking. More so, the principal is a collection of many races and many factions. And deep under the spires of the great principal city are bugmen. Have you ever seen a bugman? We heard that the Slave Town was overrun with them upon our departure. Oh, they may... They do not work for the principal. My understanding is that they are so difficult to exterminate, like cockroaches, that the principal's forces work with them rather than work against them. That it is more profitable, more conducive to power to leverage them. But I was not certain that the Toe Ripper faction was under the sway of any such being until you brought me his head. And do you know what this means? That I've confirmed that Alactid was indeed disrupting our control of Trashburg? Why would Alactid, a single Lactid, come to Trashburg? to create its own gang for what profit for what end do you know hope do you see it not wanting to be with the principal anymore hmm. they don't consider themselves allied with the principal to begin with but they may they're, they're, they're practical minded they may make deals 
for mutual gain. So why? Dine Talus, perhaps you know why. I hardly care. <laughs> well, I shall explain it to you then. Simply put, the Guzzle Gang here run the teat, and they pride themselves on their alignment with the principle. But surely you know that the principle does not have allies. They take. The Lactid is an advance agent to disrupt the underworld of Trashburg in order to soften it. For when the principle takes the teat for himself, yet another faction stealing what is mine. Tiet Kala is mine. It is yours, Hope. It is the home of tiefling kind. And yet... They all want to steal it for themselves. The principal host coming here at the invitation for the wedding. This only confirms that they plan to take the keep for themselves. They will attack this weekend. We must... Well, I do not know what your what your end game is or what exactly you are looking for but my goal is to take it for me that means I have two factions to fight but we can leverage this chaos yes do you see let your enemies fight each other and then pick off what remains there we go yes and he sort of moves some pieces on the map and he shows like this sort of he has his horse head representing the Toyota host and he has this gas pump for the guzzle gang the Toyota host will come here and will pretend to be allied and be joined in the revelries with the guzzle gang what is unclear is precisely when they will strike but I suspect it will be once all the drink has drunk up Saturday night, they will strike when everyone is weak, having their orgy in the cathedral. The move will be made, the guzzle gang will be slaughtered, and the teat will belong directly to the principal. And their orcs will come, and their savages will come, and they will take it for themselves. But... My plan is to be there on Saturday night, too. I have a way into the keep, and we will infiltrate this building. And we will strike, and we will kill them all. Now, I promised you upon returning Blunk Oliver's head to me that I would tell you the way into the keep. Well, here it is. Long before the Pit of Despair was used as a mechanism of judgment, it simply was an interesting part of the landscape in front of it. And the noble tieflings would sometimes sneak out using a passage deep below in order to venture out into Trashburg. 
I happen to know where that entrance is, and I'm the only one who knows where it is. Simply put, and he reaches into his cloak and he pulls out a an ornate gold key. I have the key for the door. He puts it on the table and it makes a he puts his finger on it. And he slides it across over to your area, Hope. I Hope will pick it up. I propose this. You want it into the keep. There is your way. And if you have any interest in the outcome of what's to happen here, then you will help secure a safe passage for my men to use it on Saturday night. You move in, you move into the, to the tunnel tonight. You clear it of any dangers. And then once you're done, wait for Saturday night. My army will come through. And while they sleep, and bang each other and rub themselves in oil and milk. Celebrating drunken, we will slit all of their throats. Guzzle Gang and Toyota Host alike. We will take the key for ourselves and then hope. I would hope at that time we could discuss your future. The only thing I ask is I want Jolt Elagos. course I have no business with her what what do you want with this Joel Telegos if you would wouldn't mind an impertinent question born out of curiosity oh I just want her to suffer for a long time yes why what has this woman done to you? She killed my family. She killed everybody. I knew. Your family? Where does your family come from, Hope? They were not part of Tietkala. No, we we were somewhere in the desert. I I don't know specifically. You've not heard of our kingdom? Beyond the dead fingers? I mean, maybe in stories. People, tieflings that had passed through. Is there no one left of your village? Uh, no. Well, should you ever wish to be something more than an empty vessel of hatred and anger, the future of Tiet Kala will need brave and strong tiefling leaders. Your destiny may lie here even if other other matters brought you to us. The future is uncertain and tieflings few. And yet you survived your surgery with great strength. You did not cry. You did not beg for mercy. I have much I could teach you. Centuries of knowledge. 
We'll have to see when she's dead. Yes, I am getting ahead of myself. I recommend you leave under the cover of night. Perhaps even tonight, but if you wish a day of rest tomorrow night. That'll give you several days to clear out the dungeons beneath the keep, securing a passage for my army to pass through unabated. And getting you to Jolt Elagos. I recommend you stock up on whatever you need. I will warn you that underneath the keep, it's cavernous passages, but there is another floor between the keep and the caverns below. And that was once the laboratory of a necromancer who studied for the nobility at that time. Nobiaire was his name. He was an odd sort of tiefling. You may find some of his experiments down there. I think it might have been a hundreds, might have been three or four hundred years since anyone has traversed these passages below the keep. Is this the beast of discipline? No, the beast came after we were vanquished by Kefeli. She brought her here. This beast is her doing. Now, my recommendation is to use cover to sneak past the beast and enter below. It is quite large and quite dangerous. But it sleeps at night, so you you should be able to sneak past it. The creature was described to me as a frog hemoth. <laughs> that sounds it like a from, giant frog. It's from another world. And it is exceptionally dexterous. And its hunger is never sated. I do not recommend engaging with it directly. Beware the frog hemoth. Got it. It's a frog hemoth. And your men do not require to be... If you would like to look at a picture of what a frog hemoth looks like, I will link you the D&D Beyond. Well, I shouldn't do that because it has little stats in it. Oh, okay. Don't click. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I will find the image, and I will link the image to you. There we go. Nope, that's still the URL. (laughs) And your men do not require the removal of this beast to proceed into the dungeons below. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It would make it much easier to proceed. But my concern is that this beast is a mascot for the Guzzle Gang. It is used in their justice. Should they wake up tomorrow morning and find it missing, surely they will know something is afoot. 
And if you think they're mad at Stanley for attacking one of the principal's mages, they will surely fill the streets with blood when their pet Froghemoth is killed. They care more for that thing than any Arcanum mage. What do you know of the principal? I know what I've heard. I don't know that I believe all of it. Please. The tale goes as such. Jesus Chrome was a marauder. He was vengeful, and he slaughtered all in his path. And then God spoke to him, as the legends go, and told him, that his ways were incorrect, that he in fact sinned against God, and that all beings upon this earth have sinned. And Jesus saw the mistake of our ways and saw only one path forward, to atone for the sins of man, he must walk the silver road. And as he sought to do this, he met a man. This apostle called himself the principal. And Jesus was looking for the silver road, and the principal was his guide as they traveled the wasteland searching for it. Once they found the silver road, the principal performed a ritual upon him with his serving men and serving women. And they covered Jesus in chrome from head to toe. The only spot not covered was little slits where his eyes were. And they were there as Jesus walked into the wasteland, never to be seen again, covered in chrome. The same man is said to rule principal city now, thousands of years later, an immortal. I know of very few immortals in this world that are not me. From what I know that isn't legend or isn't fabricated, he is a wizard of great power who shields himself with factions and proxies all to do his bidding for him and if I may say likely to secure the power that he's obtained for himself principal city I'm told is three giant rock spires shooting from the earth filled with many different societies the one last light of civilization on this rock and he sits atop it all and he does not yield for any other power for he views himself as the highest power in existence and yet I have never heard him raise his own finger to do any work he sends his minions to do everything But as an immortal myself, 
I do not fear this man. That's what I know. Then we have our heading and our deal, Monsoon Cabbage, still stands. When we've completed this task, the city is yours, and I am to call upon you at a time for supplies, for oil, for your strength, to defeat this principle. I plan to do it within a thousand days. Return Tietkala to me, and you will all be honored in our Hall of Heroes. Your resources will be ours. You will be our family. And please, I no longer wish for you to refer to me by my street name. <laughs> you may call me Septwin. It's spelled S-J-E-P-T-W-Y-N. Septwin. Septwin. Septwin Mayer. M-A-E-R. But do not utter this name outside these halls. For the rest of the world, please continue to refer to me as Monsoon Cabbage <laughs> or Mr. Cabbage. <laughs> <laughs> My, you are the only ones in, within Trashburg who know my true identity. And I'm afraid it would alarm them to know that my strength is somewhat godlike. And as he says that, Laszlo comes in with three plates of stew. Gets into the door. He's got the tray. I've brought the stew. As he moves in. And he puts the plate down in front of each of you as Monsoon finishes up what he's saying. Or Septuan. Now please eat up. I'm afraid I don't have much in the way of accommodations. You'll all have to share Hope's room if you do need to rest. But I do not recommend leaving until you're ready to assault the castle. Hope? Yes? You're recovering. When will you be ready? When? And uh, Are the glasses on the table? Yep. Alright, I'll pick up a glass and I'll crush it in my fist. And I'll just smile at Varel. Who's who's a glad cup did you pick up? Varel's. <laughs> okay, he picked up Varel's cup, crushed it. His drink spills everywhere, and Laszlo goes, "Oh no, I will get another one for you." And he, oh, no, his rock bad. form turns around <laughs> as he walks out. My mistake. I believe I know where your quarry is. Hope. You know? Yes. But where is she? On that final night, the night of the revels, she will be raiding that 
vampiric vault in the castle for its treasures. Well, that's great to know. Although, considering she has Tedna now, and who knows what that stupid cat told her, she probably knows. Monsu's ears sort of perk up, as you guys discuss. Say that again, Vorel. The wedding's a ruse. She plans to create a great robbery the night of the wedding. Oh, interesting. What is it, the thing that got my attention? What is it she plans to steal? I know not. She is in for monetary gain, it would seem. Yes. That makes sense. When she first came here, she asked for my assistance. I told her the same thing as I told you. Kill Blancolifer and I'll provide you with access. She seemed to have found a different way. She could only be plotting to steal one thing of value. That's how they'll do it. What's that? What is she planning on stealing? Tell me, have you enjoyed the fine water in town? Yes. The taps flowing with water. Yes. The baths. How do you think that water is cleaned? Well, I don't know how it's cleaned, but I have an idea of how it's pumped up. Yes, yes, but cleaning such amounts of water for an entire population, it requires something more than we have in this civilization. Do we have vast amounts of chlorine? Do we have chemicals which perform such things and workers who do, who can even have the knowledge of the past to purify water to keep from sickening its citizens? I know the secrets of the keep, and I know what they seek. The water, in fact, comes from the oil itself, and it's purified by a magical artifact that the first tieflings found here. We called it the Gem of Tides. This whole civilization was built up from the Gem of Ties, whose properties are that when a liquid substance of any type is poured over it, it transforms it into water that is potable and clean and devoid of the stench of microbial bacteria. I know, microbial bacteria doesn't really have a stench, but bear with me, I'm being dramatic. The gem of tides is what keeps this place as it is. What what makes it the kingdom that the tieflings created for ourselves so that we would be reliant on no others. Jolt there, will be stealing the gem of tides. There be and a way if, to trap her in that room. And, and think of this. Who would want such a thing? Such a powerful magical artifact. 
Diantalus, you've been quiet. Can you guess at this game too? Who would want? Oh, wrong character. My bad. <laughs> he reverted to Stanley while he was sitting there quietly. Soup was so good. Um, Every time you sneeze, you have to switch characters. Yeah. Oh, geez, that's a harsh rule. Who would want the gem of tides? I would imagine such a thing would be useful to anybody trying to make it in the waste, but I don't know who has access to water and who doesn't. I mean, it's clear. It's an obvious answer. My she will guess. sell it to the principal. Oh. Would be the you have a guess? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were going to guess or no? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, I figure. I mean, there's only, yeah. Yes, exactly. It all makes sense now. Jolt comes here. She steals the artifact for the principal. The principal's men hold it for ransom, but really they don't give it back. They slaughter the Guzzle Gang. They take the artifact for themselves back to Principal City. They run this place as some new slave shop. They have no care for clean water for their slaves, for their meat grinder. They will take their souls back to the Principal City and use it for whatever, whatever nefarious purposes he dines. So, it looks like we have the fact that you have to kill Jolt is fortuitous. She must die. You have a map of this keep? I do not. Any notion where this gem is kept? It would be kept in the basement. So, the, with the first floor being the caves and the second floor being the laboratories and crypt, the third floor up would likely where, is where the sewage system runs through, and you will likely find the room where the oil is pumped in and transformed into water itself. You may even find my beloved in there. She's still alive. Oh, she is still alive. I can we, feel it. If we find her, what what would you like us to do? Do not find her. I will take care of it. She will certainly destroy you. Only I have the power to match hers. Mash? Yeah. As human consultant. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of all this? I think if we're going to do anything, we have to hurry. There's a... We have other promises to keep. Other commitments to fulfill, other quests to finish. What promises would those be, Nash? Well, there's a little invisible friend on my shoulder right now, which I'm sure you're all aware of. We made a promise to her that we would save her and her kind. 
The longer we spend messing around here, the longer we're not helping her, and the longer we're not doing the five or six other things that we all came here for. So I'm of the opinion, human or not, if we're going to get to this, let's get to it. Monsoon looks over and he says, Oh, you have a friend with you, huh? And he looks over towards your shoulder and he blinks. I'd recommend disposing of your pest the earliest possible motion. What do you mean, dispose? Pixies are notorious tricksters. She stays with me, or you don't get my help. What is the deal with the pixies? Be more specific. I'm not talking to you, Nash. I'm talking oh. to the one who would know something. <laughs> the pixies. The town... I've had to resort to a lot of things beneath me in order to consolidate power where I could. Humans, especially the larger ones, they have a proclivity for diversion, distraction. There's very little to keep them entertained. But a few guzbucks here and a few guzbucks there pay off this person have these people work for me loyalty among humans does not come with blood comes with food there's very little ways to earn revenue here apart from food and pixie blush you feel a grip on your shoulder getting tighter yeah. Nash Okay. I make a little sound. I go. <laughs> okay. It seems, it seems perhaps one of our, one of our products has escaped from a, a laboratory. You may keep her, Nash. But, don't say I didn't warn you. Well, thanks for letting me keep her. Implying that no one tells me what to keep. Oh, shit. Drop, drop my phone. <laughs> I'm just picturing Nash also doing this. <laughs> just, Maybe it's his orb, right? Yeah. Dropped his orb. I dropped my orb. My yeah, bad. My bad. My bad. Everybody. My orb, my bad. Scried the floor. Hmm. Tell me, Nash. Do you... Why is it that you like this pixie so much? Well, if you want the truth, she's about the only trustworthy creature I know. Outside of my friends here. Jury's still out on Mr. Double Personality over here, though. Hmm. But in a world where I can trust nothing, this creature has proven to be trustworthy. And I want to help her and her kind. 
And I promise to. And if there's one thing Nash Magard of the Solar Mines does, he follows through on what he promises. Hmm. Does she have? Does she not have a voice of her own? She can speak for herself. But she doesn't have okay. to. It's up to her. She gets to choose. You don't get to choose for her or me. All right. So if you're feeling up for it, you may role play as Pod. Oh, my Lord. Oh, boy. You're usually Pod, though. How can I be her? You can't, you're you usually Yeah, but her. you've kind of taken over. You said the last episode, she's my familiar. I really like her. And you kind of always, you're feeling like, is she doing something? I kind of feel like you want to have a say in what's going on here. So ownership is transferred, my friend. All right. I lean close and say, Pod, do you want to say anything to this man? To this man, I say in a very sarcastic way. And I feel her shake left to right. No, she doesn't want to talk right now. Like I said, it's her choice. All right, then. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with her voice yet. <laughs> <laughs> Seems your fates are entwined. This feels right. Who? Me and her? Yeah. yeah. I think I think so. I, I, yeah. I think I agree. I'm totally fine with it. Oh. Whoa. It was a pleasure speaking with you this evening. When you decide what to do, tell Laszlo here. But uh, hope. Do not first leave without seeing me first. With that, I will bid you good evening. And he gets up, he pulls his cloak over, and he walks towards the door and exits. And Laszlo kind of looks over at the door, and he looks at you guys, he looks at the door, he looks at you. I serve. Laszlo serves. Do you require anything? Laszlo, get me a drink. What drink would the lady like to have? Strong alcohol. Your wish is my command. And he begins to move towards the door and opens it up and huddles his way into the six-foot-tall door. The next well, what do we think of our options now? Options. I see but one course of action, and it is before us, and it fills me with determination. Everything has led to this moment, my friends. All roads intersect at the keep. This is where we head. This is where we gain the artifact. This is where hope confronts her past. This is where we gain a piece of the army that we will move against the principal with. This is where we confront buttons. This is where we save Bok Bok and Tedna. Now, when we get Buttons, assuming we do, what do we want to do with him? 
Kill the little bastard. Okay, so who would want that? I'll because do it. if I grab him, he's dead. Oh. That but... would obviously be my vote. <laughs> I would remind everyone I didn't trust him back then. So if you want me to kill him, I'm happy to do it. Either way, he dies. All right. Vermin we piece of shit. At the end of the day, this entire problem is because Stanley didn't want to. I think it's time to rectify the problem. We face an extreme enemy, an immortal, and one who has not set his hand, has not shown his power, but has great ways. The principal, Dientalus. I ask you a dark question. Yes. Buttons. If you were to feed on him, what would be the benefits of our group? It would be of little benefit to all of you, but I would imagine if he is a mage, as they've said, that I could feed on his arcane energy and it would help me restore some of my power. That would be the most logical option outside of outright slaughter. Would you need him alive? No. Well, we all get what we want then. I... Apparently you all get your vengeance. <laughs> it's only upsides. I say we do this. So what I'd like for you to decide is just, and we can wait till next episode because we are approaching the end of this week's session unless i don't know if people want to go on we were some talk like what are we feeling like uh, group well tell i me think what... that sounds right i think we're yeah. deciding we'll go tonight and we can begin that session next time should we do wrap-up stuff today though so that next episode we're immediately into yeah because we we still have to collect stuff i would need to go talk to monsoon cabbage that's and... true yeah why don't we focus on that if everybody's good with it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. You guys are going to head out tonight then. You did just have your long rest. So. <laughs> the exception of Scott, I think we're all in good shape. Yeah. Other than Scott, little... who has burned through a high level spell and taken damage already. Yeah. Well, only one, but I have. It's not intentional. <laughs> if we can get to a place where, where Stanley or Dientalus could kindly um, press to digitate the that poop from my face, that'd be great. Are you saying that is Nash, or are you saying that is Scott? <laughs> <coughs> I'm saying you do what your heart tells you to do. Then it tells me to do nothing. <laughs> That's what I was oh. afraid of. <laughs> uh, Laszlo opens the door again. He comes in with a, the, a glass for you. And he holds it out to you, Hope. I have brought your hard drink. <laughs> Hope will take it, it with her right hand. Thank you, Laszlo. Start drinking. A pleasure. Laszlo? Yes. Seems we will have a full night. Do you have the coffee? You wish to drink coffee? Yes. Do you want room for cream? 
And do you take sugar? Oh. Uh, prepare it for warrior. You wish warrior coffee. Yes. I have no record of warrior coffee. Expound. Expound. Make it as you would uh, for your master. My master does not drink coffee. Friends, he what prefers is the problem with this machine? Blood. <laughs> he prefers, he prefers the blood of young teenage men and women. Preferably squeezed fresh from the neck. Well, we've all assumed this. <laughs> a, a black coffee from Varel. Thank you, Hope. Just plain. Black coffee, so no cream and no sugar. Uh, apparently, yes. Thank you. Very good. I will return. And the big rock body walks towards the door and opens up the door and huddles in, disappears behind the door. I'm finding as king, I will have to ignore a great many things. Like ordering food? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps the moral compass of everyone I ally with does not sit with me well. He dines on the teenagers. Well, they might be bad teenagers. I will take comfort in that. Morality is the weakness that got us here. I would advise learning to ignore it. Well, then what are we fighting for? Ourselves? Yeah, but if we can't... At the end of the day, if we can't be somewhat moral creatures... What are we doing? And what has morality gotten us so far, Nash? Well, I'm not saying that morality is always the best choice to get things done, but it is part of the ultimate goal, isn't it? It is for me. Did you not just suggest killing Buttons for no reason other than he did something that inconvenienced you? He betrayed us! Did he? Yes! I was there, Nash. He wanted you all to know the truth about me. He's a dirty little shit gibbon. He insisted you all learn the truth about me when Stanley was keeping it a secret. And now, you want to kill him for it. I understand that morality is fluid and has different definitions, and depending on who you talk to, it can mean very different things. But we can't go down the road of just completely being amoral creatures in this world. Or else, what are we fighting for? What are we living for? I think what Stanley's trying to tell you is that Bubbles was trying to do the moral thing, and Stanley was the one hiding the big secret from you guys and being immoral. Eat Stanley! What? (laughs) (laughs) No, don't eat Stanley. Um, My point stands. (laughs) My point stands. I don't care what we do. 
we have to do certain things to survive, but the ultimate goal should be some kind of better versions of ourselves. <laughs> and is How... that not what our goal ultimately is? We're going to get rid of the principal who you've deemed evil and corrupt. Are we not making a better world? Yes. So I agree with that. No more of this, uh, look where morals have gotten us. And yet here we are. Nash. I prefer I swear to you. What? We will find a better answer along the way. Right now we do not know it. And we have to follow these paths. And I do not like them. We know that the principal uses strength that isn't his own. That upsets me greatly. Slavery is wrong, Nash. I agree. And I will not allow it in my kingdom. All right, well, that's good enough for me. These are the small these are the small bits of hope that I can take forward. Sorry, Hope, no offense. I don't mean you. No, but it's fresh drink. Go take it, Nash. They're it's bit, all right. They're bits of hope back in town. <laughs> bits everywhere. Yeah. This is the new hope. But when we meet Buttons, I have no doubt that he will tell us he was merely trying to protect us. Doing his job, that is what these university folk are like. I plan on killing him before he starts talking. <laughs> I just want everyone in this group to know that that's what my plan is. Stone Talus doesn't need him alive, and I figure if he starts talking, he might try and convince us and throw a, a wrench in the group just when we're starting to get along. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for our audio listeners. Nash's webcam light has gone out and he's in pitch black. I'm back now. <laughs> so so it, it's hilarious. It's set for a timer, and so when it does that, I forget. Yeah. It looks like someone right. comes in and turns it off on me. So Hope just finished saying she's going to kill uh, Buttons before he talks because, you know, talking makes us confused about what needs to be done, basically. All right, then we move tonight. Everyone, what you have on the table? I've got this glass. And I'll slam it down on the table. We won't battle with a glass. Anyone oh. else have any resources for tonight's adventure? I take, got guns upstairs. I take my ball out and go, kirk, on the table. <laughs> I have this. Excellent. <laughs> what of the what of the potions we found deep within the mine? Oh, yes. That's right. Actually... It would be a good time to offer one of these over to Hope, I believe. What? Stanley found this down below in the mine, and I think if your intent is to discuss things with Jolt, it might be better served in your care. And I'm going to pass Hope a potion of mind reading. Nice. Ooh. Very seriously, thank you, Diantalis. It's not a big deal. I like your practicality. Right. Other than that, I also have a potion of clairvoyance, which does something that I will look up later. <laughs> Excellent. You all don't deserve to know it right now. 
It doesn't say in the description. I'm looking it up. Oh, it doesn't? No, it just says it casts clairvoyance, but it doesn't say what that does. Uh, oh, well, you gotta look up the spell, clairvoyance. Yeah. yeah. Great. So I think it means you can see into the future in some way. You create an invisible sensor within range and a location familiar to you, or an obvious location that is unfamiliar to you. The sensor remains in place for the duration it can't be attacked or interacted with. When you cast the spell, you choose seeing or hearing, uh, and you can use the chosen sense to sense through the sensor uh, as if you were in its place. And you can use your action to switch between seeing and hearing. Oh, so like, for example, you could leave a sensor down here if you wanted to spy on Monsoon. Right. And then you could use it to see what's happening. It has or you, any place of... you could you could toss it into Charlemagne's right like you know like right it has a mile. sensor of or a range of one mile and it lasts for ten minutes sounds useful for keeping an eye on the beast as we sneak by Ooh. Ash yes anything else you have for our adventure I have jack shit I have my ball this. Terrible baseball uniform, and my <laughs> and Diane Talis is carrying around my robe. I don't have anything else on me. I am free we balling should, it under here. We should get you a outfit that would inspire a better sense of battle in your heart. He has a collection of bat excrement. Should we need that as well? <laughs> Libido. What's his, what's the guy's name? Libido. <laughs> Uh, Lilo and Stitch. What? What's who's the rock? Laszlo. 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 Yeah, libido. Oh, oh Laszlo. Like Laszlo. Yeah. yeah. Laszlo. As you say, Laszlo, he opens the door and squeezes back in with a large mug. Your coffee. For thank you, Laszlo. Do you have a robe fit for a mighty wizard? I may have <laughs> clothing appropriate for someone of great nobility and strength. Before you go, Laszlo, I also require a cloak. I believe it was brought in here before and left behind. I'd ideally like the same one. Wait, what are you referring to? Uh, when they brought Blunk Oliver's head in, it was wrapped in my cloak, and they oh, left it here oh, while I was right. at the bar because they're a bunch of jerks that don't respect other people's stuff. No kidding. <laughs> okay, Lazlo rolls a history check. That's a d12. I have no recollection of such a cloak. Then However, give me a cape if you have one. I have a cape. Please follow me to the boudoir. And he goes into one of the other doors, opens it up, gets into the door, and he starts walking down this long hallway. I'll follow him. Right. Are you coming, Nash? Yeah, let's go. Oh, Leslie, right. before you go, where's uh, Cabbage? You may find him in his chamber that way. And he points to the other door. I will stay All here. Right. All right, uh, Stanley, uh, Nash, you follow him down a small hallway to a door that opens up 
he kneels in it you go inside and you see it's a large it's, it's not that large of a space but the space is completely dedicated to clothing there's a table there's some sewing equipment there's a sewing machine and um, some cupboards and he opens things up for your cape sir I present this to you and he takes out a piece of fabric that has a like, little shoulder display on it as you would wish it to appear and um, it's a red reddish brown looking cape thing would you like to try it on sure thank you I'll go ahead and put it on and then and then Laszlo sort of turns over to you Nash and he says for the gentleman what sort of appearance preferences do you have something dark intimidating frightening uh yeah perhaps a tuxedo no it needs to be like a robe or some kind of sorcerers type first the 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 pants do you prefer cotton do you prefer canvas cotton he pulls out a drawer and the color you said dark dark he pulls out some black slacks and he drapes them over top try these sir what about the robe part Pants first, then robe. <laughs> All right, I design, I pull, I pull them up. I, I, you know what? I actually have to take off the baseball one. So everybody, turn around, and I take them off, and I toss Leslie them. Leslie the... turns around with the pants. <laughs> yeah, Nitalis did not turn around. Okay, he can look all he wants. It's just Cthulhu down there. So I take them off. Yoink, yoink! I throw them in the corner. Give me the new pants, and I take the new pants off of his big rock hands and pull them up, zip them up. They fit fine. Okay, he's avoiding looking at you still. You can look How at me. How do you like them? Laszlo, look at me. Turn around. And he turns around and his little sockets. He just has little sockets and his little spot. And it just moves a little bit when he speaks. And Okay. Uh, these are you fine. You look fantastic, Thank sir. you. Thank you, Laszlo. It's very kind of you. Would you like a shirt or jerkin of some, <laughs> of some kind? Uh. No. Uh, and what color would you prefer? Black. May I suggest a vest? Yes. I'll try. Yes. He goes, he goes into the cupboard and he gets at a button-down black shirt and a vest that is like pinstripe and gray. Sure. He's like, I think this would <laughs> look smashing. Ha, ha, ha. Get it? Because I am a rock. That's a great Smashing. joke, Laszlo. It's a real good one. It's a good one, that, you, that joke you made. Now, let me take that, and I put that on. Okay. Now I'm right. just shirtless underneath hey. a vest. Now you got a vest and a sh- shirt, a black button shirt. Oh, I have the shirt? I didn't know I had the shirt. Yeah, well, do you not want to put the shirt no, on? No, I'll have or? the shirt. I'll have it. I didn't know you gave me a shirt. You got to be a lot in that vest? <laughs> <laughs> Would the gentleman world. like mm. some... Uh, cough, uh, uh, what do they call those things in the end? Shit. Uh, you mean links? Cuff- yeah. for the gentleman. Are they magic? No. Then but I they don't are want fabulous. the stupid. No, I don't want them then. 
I don't want, this isn't a fancy dress party. We're going for a fight. I don't want cufflinks, Laszlo. I'm not mad at you. What, so, just, what, what sort of footwear would you prefer? Uh, some sort of boots that are rugged and can handle some water and terrain. I have combat boots. Perfect. All right, and he reaches down into a drawer and pulls out large sort of um, high top. Look like work boots, a combat military style. There's a thick sole in it. They're fairly new. Okay. Hands them to you. I'll take them. I'll put them on. They fit. And you wanted a robe. Yes, with a hood, preferably. Uh, concern expressed. Will you be warm? It doesn't matter. I'm always warm. He looks through. He finds, like, um... It's not so much of a robe. It has a hood, but it closes in the front. Closes. It looks almost kind of like a graduation robe a little bit. It's black. Oh. This is fine. Is there no hood? There's a hood on it. Oh, there is a hood. This has a hood, and it has uh, dark, as you requested. Perfect. Very good. These are mostly used by cultists when they are engaging in anonymous activities. This particular piece has not been used in 624 years, I believe. Fine. Do you require a mask? No. no. <laughs> Would you like some makeup? No. You think I'm going to a dance? I think perhaps the blemishes on your face are not appetizing to some folk. I'm not here to be and eaten. I recommend covering them I'm not for here their to, benefit. I'm, <laughs> I'm not here to be eaten. I don't care if they're appetizing. These are mine. They're part of who I am. As you wish, sir. The service here is terrible. No, please, I am sorry. Please take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I am hurt. All right, I take it, take back. it back. It's not your fault. I know. My I, apologies. No, to it's you, okay. Mr. Nash. It's fine. It's fine. You, you're Mr. Nash was my father. You don't have to call me that, and everything's fine. You're doing a great job. This <laughs> Mr. Is, Nash is my father. This is all I need. <laughs> it's your first name. All right, let's cut over to Hope, who wandered down the hallway. Yeah, um, I'm all dressed. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> Hope, uh, you wander down uh, the hallway, and you see to your left the area where your room was, and there's a hallway to your left, but to the right there's another hallway. This one doesn't have many doors except for an archway, a darkened archway at the end. All right. I'll assume that's where um, Septwin is, and I'll head down that way. As you move down this hall, an oppressive darkness hits your eyes. There's no, so you have dark vision. There's no candlelight or torchlight here, and your ability to see in the light becomes extremely reduced somehow. Awesome. And there's kind of a pressure you feel in your ears. Okay. A sort of hum of like... Okay. And as you move towards the archway and peer in, you see a large sarcophagus with its lid slightly opened. 
sitting in the middle of the room. Apart from that, there's nothing in there. And oh. you see, you see, um, huddled in the corner, is monsoon cabbage with a couple of scrolls open, and he appears to be peering, reading in the dark, peering at them. Oh, this is so kick-ass. Uh, uh, this is Septuin. You wanted yes, to speak. Do you leave tonight then? Yes. Good. 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 Yes, I wanted to speak with you briefly. What did you need? He slowly walks up towards you, putting his papers down. He gets up and he reaches towards you, puts an arm, a hand on either one of your shoulders. You do not fear me. Your friends do not fear me. We are to be feared. Why is that? Why why they don't fear? He puts his head sort of close to your ear. Says, Do you wish to have my gift? Oh. Damn it! Ugh. Hopeful stand there and just kind of go wide-eyed looking off into the darkness and for a brief moment she would say yes but she eventually shakes her head no she didn't say it no but it seemed like she would just for a brief second I heard a no come from your lips but I can feel the yes in your heart yeah I, I, I can't stay here. The future of Tietkala is tied to you. There's no guarantee upon freeing my comrades what the future will hold, but I am certain of you. There is a chance I do not make it through this. Kefeli is strong. And when I confront her, I'm not entirely certain I will make it out the other side. But I still want the same thing. I want this kingdom restored to its former glory with tieflings at its head. You may have noticed, apart from me, there are very few tieflings. I'll nod her head slowly. The ones which remain are the ones that are cursed in the keep. But in you I see a future for us. You have to promise me that you will try to find a deeper meaning beyond vengeance and hatred. That you will be something more than a cold-blooded murderer. Your friends are lost. They are confused. Among any of them, you're the only one with a true heart. We are said to come from demons, but I will tell you, I've lived a long time. The demons care nothing for us. 
we are as much pawns to them as any pink, small-toothed fleshling. We make our own future. We do not rely on demons or humans. We are strength. And you are the future, whether you like it or not. And if you fail, become consumed solely by anger and hatred, then Tietkala will fall. <coughs> and the principle will be victorious. I'm not going and you to will fail. You will never find love or hope in this world unless you can make it here. Kill them all and then let us build a better future. Hope will stand there. Silent. And if you should change your mind about the gift after you show me that you can be true of heart, I will give it to you. But if I find you unworthy, I will not. Now go. He sort of pushes you away after having spoken in your ear for quite a while time. He turns around and there's a painting up on the wall. Of a, there's a tiefling you don't recognize. And he brings his hand to his chin and just appears to consider it with his back to you. I said go! Yeah, all right. Hope will slowly turn and walk back out. Okay. You walk back out. As you enter the main uh, dining area, uh, a very well-dressed Nash enters the room <laughs> with Stanley in his brand-new cape and Laszlo following, following behind. Oh, looks nice. It's all they have. It's fine. You've got a black go, cape go over the front. But you, you say... <laughs> <laughs> mm, huh? Wait, what did you say? I missed what hopes. So. Are you going to a dinner party? No. I'm going to go no. kill. No, we're going to go kill a. Let's go kill a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have everything you require for your. Mission from me, says Laszlo. I'm going to need some more ammo, but after that, I'm ready to go. I will bring you ammunition. What type of ammunition do you require? A shotgun. Very well. And then he leaves the room again, huddling out the door. Quickly comes back with a few white-looking boxes. You open them up, and you see that there's some shells in there, slug, shotgun slugs, but 40 total. Nice. This is all we had on hand. They are very old. Please inspect them before loading them into your weapon. Is there anything else that I can get for you? I'm good. Anybody else? No. I'm set. Then Laszlo lifts his hand and waves it at the wall where the elevator is and it opens up. <sighs> Thank you for visiting. I hope you had a pleasant stay. I look forward to seeing you once the deed is done. Bye, Laszlo. I'll wave at Laszlo. <laughs> 
See you, wave. See you rock <laughs> Farewell, my new friends. Then I'll start examining the, the shells to make sure they're all good. Yeah, most of the shells, they look good. Some of them are a little they're cracked and broken in places, but they will all serve. Cool. And then I'll close my eyes and focus on the gun in my arm so I can load up. Yep, the gun. <laughs> a shotgun unsheaths itself from her forearm and she begins loading it up. Fine trick. Very cool. Oh, thank you. Watch this. And I'll, I'll close my eyes and make it go away and then I'll do the finger thing. <laughs> she does this like mimetic thing with her hand and then it opens up and the fingers retract over her wrist and a giant cannon uh, exposes itself in the palm of her wrist. Excellent. Amazing. We will need every tool we have. <laughs> well, we have Nash. <laughs> <laughs> and with that note, the elevator door closes after you climb on in, and you're in darkness as you raise up back to the city proper. And I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah. Sounds uh, good. Very nice. Tomorrow, <clears throat> next week, we will begin a true dungeon adventure. I'm very excited. In underneath, Are you saying team. next week there will be dungeons? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Next week, listeners, friends, there will be dungeons, there will be combat rolls, there will be saving throws, there will be giant tongues. Yeah, all the things we like and more. That's next week here at There Will Be Dungeons. Hey, you heard that name? Well, guess what? There's a website associated with it so you can go and find all our stuff. Contact us. Uh, find old episodes of the show. Everything's on YouTube. Everything's on audio. Everything is all over the place. So if you've missed out on any of our 38 previous sessions, that's the place to go check that out. That's it. Therewillbedungeons.com. Therewillbedungeons.com. Uh, find us all on Twitter and all that stuff there as well. You can find this show at There Be Dungeons uh, on Twitter as well. Thank you all for being here. We'll be back next time with a whole new adventure. Well, not really. A continuation of this adventure that's next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching. We'll see you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.